Sunday wants you to call her at, I don't know what, but uh, I want you to call me too tonight on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is the Druff and Friends Show. I am Todd Dandruff Wattellis, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of this radio show. We've been jumping all over the place. Our normal day is Tuesday, but we haven't had a show on Tuesday in quite some time. It just keeps changing. So last night was actually scheduled to be the normal day and time, and it just didn't happen. So it's tonight instead. I think next week we will indeed be on a Tuesday. But I have to announce we have a time change for the show, not just because I'm always late, but a time change permanently for Poker Fraud Alert Radio. It will no longer be at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. Nope, that's done. It will be 7 o'clock Pacific Time on Tuesday night. And for the most part, any night I change it to, it'll still be at 7. The 6.30 is done. So I apologize for those of you on the East Coast who now have to stay up an extra half hour just to hear the show start. I know it's 10 o'clock where you are, but for me, it's much better. And even though I didn't prove it tonight, I think it will assist with me being on time because 6.30 was a very difficult start time for me. And at the time, that had to be the time, but uh, not anymore. So I moved it to 7. There's even a chance it'll move to 7.30 in the future, but I I think it'll stick at 7. I don't want it to get too late for the live listeners on the East Coast. There is no co-host tonight. It will just be me. Though you never know. Like last week, I I picked up Brandon as a co-host in the middle of the show. That was a pleasant surprise. Someone was asking, well, is Brandon coming back this week? I don't think so. It's possible. I don't think so. But if he does, then... Great. We'll take him. Or if somebody else wants to ride along here, we can do that too. We'll do the normal introduction stuff to the show, and then we'll get on with it. Uh, Since we started late, the free roll is starting in 15 minutes. The free roll is on the No Fraud Online Poker Room at 7.40 Pacific Time. It's completely free to enter. You just need a separate account on the Poker Fraud or the No Fraud Online Poker Room of PokerFraudAlert.com, which is near the top of the screen. The only other thing you need to qualify for the free money is a registered forum account dated 2012 or 2013. Someone PM'd me last week saying, oh, can I have permission, blah, blah, blah. And I looked and his registered date was in 2012. I said, you're fine. You don't have to give any justification. As long as you have an account in good standing dated 2012 or 2013, you're in. But what if you don't? Well, first of all, I would suggest registering a forum account. But second, email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Convince me you've been listening to the show for at least three weeks by telling me things you have heard on the show that are not in the official show description. And then I will give you an exception that will last as long as you remain in good standing on PokerFraudAlert.com to win the free money. No matter what date your account is registered, you have to do it before the free roll begins on that night. So tonight you've got uh, 14 minutes to do that if you want to. If you have to, shall I say. The reason we do this, by the way, is just so free roll leeches, people who are only here to play the free roll and aren't interested in the show or the forum, don't get any share of the money. Now, where'd the money come from? Did it come from me? <laughs> of course not. I'm Jewish. you got to be kidding me. No, the money came 
from some very generous individuals as we have every week. And I'm happy to announce that this week, instead of being a $45 free roll, it's actually a $72 free roll plus a $5 bounty, apparently. There's a lot going on here. 72, it's actually 52 plus 20 plus 5. It's very odd. I'm going to explain that in a second. Uh, So this is what's going on with the free roll. Let me get over to my agenda. The free roll, we got... $25 $25 from Scott from the East Coast. I got uh, $7 from uh, Trader SHKY. And uh, also got $15 from uh, SMI Florida. So that, uh, that changes it from uh, $45 to... I guess I calculated it. This is what I do when I try to figure it out during the show. So we have 45, and then we have another uh, 22. So I guess that makes 67. But then we have another 5. That's a bounty. So I guess it's a 47 plus 20 plus 5. Now, what do I mean by plus 20? Well, the money that came from Hotshot74, he sent $20, but he wants it to all go to first place. So that's just added on top of what I would normally pay for first if the free roll was only $47 instead of $67. So the new prize pool is as follows for the free roll. First place will be $42. Normally I'd make it 22 there. I'm going to make it 42 because of that extra 20. First place is $42. Second place will be go with uh, $12. Third place will be $8. Fourth place will be $5. I know this makes riveting radio, but uh, 42, 12, 8, and 5 plus a $5 bounty on Hotshot 74. If you knock him out, you get an additional $5. So 42, very top heavy here, 12, Eight and five plus a five dollar bounty on Hotshot. That is our free roll tonight, and I wanted to get that out quickly before it begins in ten minutes. You can late register if you want up to twenty five minutes after the start time, and it starts at seven forty. If you want to call into the show, the phone number seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. That's 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. Either way, make sure to show your caller ID or your call will not get through. You'll get a busy signal if you don't show your caller ID. If you want to text me during the show, you can do that. In fact, you can text me anytime. I will get the text when you send them to me. So you can really text me during the show, after, before, whatever. If you text me at any point, I will read it on that show or a subsequent show, unless you ask me not to. It is the main phone number you text, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is our text phone number. You can also chat if you're listening live. You need a flash-enabled device. You need a forum account to get into the chat room. 
you can mainly talk there with the other live listeners. I don't really read the chat room that much because it's too hard to do. In addition to hosting the show and running all the technical details of the show, this is harder than you think when I'm by myself. First of all, I have to talk nonstop. I mean, absolutely nonstop. I don't get a break. And you think that's not hard, but think about it. Think about just talking and talking and talking for four hours or more with no break, no bathroom break, no break to rest your voice. I mean, even talk show hosts on the terrestrial radio or Sirius XM, they have breaks, but I have no breaks. So I have to do that. I have to run all the equipment that broadcasts the show. I have to respond to messages sent to me. It's a lot tougher than you think. Give it a try if you don't believe me. I'm not trying to get sympathy here. I'm just telling you why if I hesitate or something, it's not me being unprofessional. I'm just doing what I can with uh, the resources I have as one person with one brain and two hands. Here is the agenda this evening. Oh, see, I, I hate having to do this, but I have to. The $5 bounty that's on Hotshot 74 was given by someone who wants me to say the following. And it, the person said this is a condition for the $5 bounty on Hotshot. I, I hate doing this. I hate being like a trained monkey for $5, right? I, I do what they say, but I guess I have to. He wants me to say that Hotshot is a cunt. <laughs> can't believe it. can't believe I got to say that. Now, it's not my words. It's the words of the person who donated the $5 for the bounty. See, I'm so appreciative. This is my Jewish side coming out, to be honest. I, I'm so happy I don't have to donate to this free roll every week. I'm so happy that you guys do it for me, and I'm not out the money, and I can buy pizza or whatever else I want to buy with this money that I don't have to donate, that I don't want to discourage donations, so I have to pretty much be the slave of the donors. So I let them dictate the terms of who can win it or how it can be won or what place is paid or or what I'm supposed to say about certain people on the air. I, I let them buy me this way. I really do. In fact, one of the few times that I actually showed up on time here, it was because Hockey Guy offered $10 if I would show up on time to the show, and I did. Now, I don't keep any of this money. It goes back to the users of the site. But I'm just happy I don't have to donate it. All right, so here's the agenda. I'm going to give a little update on the World Series of Poker pieces I'm selling. The World Series is coming up in a little more than a month. A month and one week it gets started. So I am selling pieces of myself. They are going fast if you want one. Make sure to get to me because once they're gone, they're gone. No exceptions. Once I sell the maximum, it is done because I want to keep a certain amount for myself. Basically, I want to keep the events I'm selling, I want to keep 60%. I don't want to play any less than 60% of myself. So once it's gone, it's gone. That's it. I don't care who you are or what you've done for me. In fact, if my mom tries to buy a piece of me after 40% is sold, I will tell her no. Well, lock poker, you know, Brandon made fun of me last week about uh, talking about lock poker. He, he used that as an example of something he isn't interested in when he went to go eat food and told me he'd be taking a 15-minute break. 
I said, no, I have nothing to say about lock poker this week. But he was kind of psychic in a way because there's a big story about lock poker for the first time in a while this week. So I'll tell you about that. Last week, one of the big stories here was the JSIP John Sepulveda update, or Juan Sepulveda, his actual name. This is a guy who scammed our community back in 2013 with a very nasty scam where he pretended to be having a charity telethon and kept most of the money for himself and also stole money from people in various other ways. He stole at least $12,200 from our community and perhaps more. And given that this community is not that large, it's a lot of money to steal. He has returned. We talked about that last week. I have an update this week. Not as much to tell you as last week, but I have an update. I will give it to you. Alex Jacob has become a Jeopardy sensation, not just among poker players, but among Jeopardy fans everywhere. Many mixed opinions about Alex Jacob. Some people think he's a genius. Some people think he's a great contestant. Some people think he was extremely smart with the strategy he came up with that allowed him to succeed as much as he did. Some people didn't like his personality. Some people didn't even like his shirt that he wore. There were many, many different opinions of Alex Jacob on Jeopardy. His epic run has finally come to an end. I'm going to play the end of the sixth episode he appeared on where he met his doom. I'll warn you beforehand so you can turn it off if you don't want the spoiler. Of course, I've already spoiled it for you, so too bad. Well, Poker Stars, they had a bit of controversy when they kicked Joe Cada, the 2009 World Series of Poker main event champion, out as a sponsored player when he offered to work for a very reasonable rate. He offered to be a sponsored Poker Stars pro for 0.0. And they still refused because he wanted basically 100% rake back there. And they said no. <laughs> so They said, you're not even worth rake back. Get out of here, Joe Kata. So he got out of there. But they still had... Jonathan Duhamel, who got very lucky to win the 2010 World Series of Poker, as every main event champion did, obviously. That 2010 main event is meaningful to me because I was 88th in that one. He was someone uh, competing with me at the end. I never had him at my table, but uh, I was one of the final 88. Anyway. Poker Stars has parted ways with Jonathan Duhamel. They don't want him anymore either. We'll talk about that. Well, John Stewart, and yes, that John Stewart of The Daily Show, sort of bashes online gambling legislation on The Daily Show. He, he brought up uh, New Jersey's legalization of online gambling as a bad thing. He didn't specifically say that, but he was definitely implying it. I will play you the clip. He was trying to make a point about something else, but these type of things are not good. They're not good as far as getting the public behind legalization. The PPA brought this up, and uh, you know, for once I agree with him. We're going to have a contest again for the free hotel room certificate. This was donated by I Am Greek, and this is a certificate that lets you stay at Paris, Las Vegas, which I think is the second best Caesars Entertainment property in Las Vegas. It's got a great location, fairly good hotel. All you pay is the $25 per night resort fee. You get two free nights. You can use it on any weeknight, Sunday through Thursday, up until September 30th, I believe. 
This includes the World Series of Poker. Not sure if there's blackout dates, but I haven't heard of any. I'm not making any guarantees about this thing. This comes from a third party from I Am Greek who generously is donating two of these. Last week we tried to give away one and failed because I had a contest that was too tough, especially because the contestant was a little too young to succeed in it. It was about the year 1982, or actually it was about before or after 1982. You'd have to say whether something happened before 82 or after 82, and uh, he did not do very well in that contest. He did not win. We have a caller on the air. Hello. Yes, caller. Hello. Mm-hmm. Ah, see, that's returned. All righty. So, moving along with our agenda. Oh, so sorry, I didn't finish about this uh, contest. Tonight's contest is not about the year 1982. I made this, I hopefully more, hopefully more interesting, and hopefully won't really be age dependent as to whether or not you will succeed as a contestant. The game is called "Did This Really Happen to Druff?" I'm going to tell you five stories which may or may not have occurred in my past, and you have to say if it did happen to me or if it not, did not. Because I might be making up some of these stories. I'm not going to tell you how many of them are true and how many of them are false. It's very possible that all are true or all are false. So I'm telling you five. If you get three of the five correct as to whether they did or did not happen to me, you will win. So even if you just guess, you still have a fair chance to win. But please don't call in for that contest if you're not going to have use for that certificate. If you want to give it away to a friend, that's fine. But but don't just get it and then not know what to do with it. Paul Fua, I think that's how you pronounce his name, P-H-U-A, part of the Caesars World Cup betting ring that got busted during the World Cup, of course. He scored a major victory in court. We will talk about that. Is Poker Stars close to coming to New Jersey? Very, very close. I'm hearing rumors that they are. It'll be the first time you can legally play Poker Stars in the U.S. if this comes to pass. Resorts Casino, who actually has the agreement with Poker Stars, announced something else unrelated to Poker Stars. They have opened up an iGaming Lounge. Now, what is an iGaming Lounge? An iGaming Lounge is a place you can go within the casino to play on their internet gaming site. So. Before, if you wanted to play on these sites associated with these various casinos, you'd either have to have a hotel room there and play while you're in your room or live in New Jersey or at least be in New Jersey and play from somewhere else where you have a computer and internet connection. Resorts is opening up a lounge where you don't need this equipment. You don't need this internet connection. They provide it for you to play on their online casino. So we'll talk a bit about that. WSOP.com modifies their rewards program or has modified their rewards program to allow players to earn Caesars tier points for total rewards, which is really a nice improvement. Should have been that way all the time. But I think they actually haven't gone far enough. I will explain that. Finally, Another Caesar story, their stock has fallen. 
investors are losing confidence that they will settle the court case related to their bankruptcy. That is our agenda for the evening. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, 702-430-1808. Of course, you can text me that 775 number. Let's see if we got some text here. Huh. This is from the uh, 407 area code. From, uh, I guess this is uh, Hot Like Sauce. Remember we spoke about Hot for Sauce cheating on me from a pool of disease-infested rehab people? Well, she just told me... Oh, wait, I can't... (laughs) He puts at the end that I'm not supposed to say this. Put it at the beginning. I caught it just in time. You guys are going to have to guess the rest of it. You're going to have to guess the rest... I I feel so bad about that. I want to tell you guys now, but I can't because he said... uh, Please don't tell anyone. Come on. You got to make sure to say, please don't read on air. I know he sent this text a few days ago. Actually, yesterday. But still. Here's another question from him, from yesterday. Referring to Alex Jacob being so smart, he said, do you think that's genes or what? Good teachers? What's the biggest common denominator with smart people? Genes or something else? Would like to hear your thoughts tonight, if possible. It's like we know Albert Einstein, but we don't know much about his brother, so how much is genetic? Well, most of it is genetic. If you have two smart parents, and when I say smart, I mean naturally smart, not well-educated, not well-read. I mean naturally smart from birth. Then you have a high chance of being smart yourself. Now, what if your parents are both geniuses? Does that mean that you are highly likely to be a genius? Actually, no. It still is very unusual to be at genius level, even if both parents are geniuses. Now, you're highly likely to be really, really smart, but to be a genius, uh, two genius parents doesn't even come close to guaranteeing that. What about two smart parents? Is that likely to produce a smart child? Yes, it's likely, but uh, it can easily happen where that's not the case, where the child ends up uh, average or even below average intelligence. And I'm sure you guys have seen cases where the parents are just not very smart at all, and the kid ends up very smart. That can happen too. So it's genetic, but it's not 100% well, I mean, it is, but I'm saying it's not a, a guarantee like your race would be. Like if it's two white parents having a child, the child's going to be white, always. Two black people having a child, the child's always going to be black. Two people with uh, blue eyes have a child, the child will always have blue or green eyes, never brown. So there's some things that are like guaranteed. Uh, other things like intelligence is very related to genetics and Somewhat easy to predict, but sometimes bucks the trend. Height is also very related to genetics. If both parents are tall, you're very likely to be tall. If both parents are short, you're very likely to be short. Other things, though, are not. And some things are moderately likely to pass down to the kids, but not always. Now, of course, on a show like Jeopardy, a lot of it is about knowledge, not just smarts. 
Uh, Alex Jacob is legitimately a very smart guy, but you also have to have knowledge. If you're a really, really smart guy and you just never had an interest in learning a bunch of different subjects, you're not going to do well. You have to have had a love of learning and a very good memory, too. You need a good memory, and you have to really love learning about a lot of different subjects, or you will not do well there. So obviously Alex Jacob learned about a lot of different subjects and remembered what he learned. That's why he did so well. Plus, he had a very good strategy on there. And that the strategy kind of, that, that goes more along his smarts. JSTAT says successful parents usually produce dumb children. Well, not really. I... It depends why they're successful. Uh, sometimes one can be successful financially without really being all that smart, just because you happen to uh, come up with a business idea that maybe is creative or maybe uh, you just happen to think of it and hit lightning in a bottle. But that doesn't mean you're smart. So there's many ways you can be successful without really being all that smart. But if you're successful, that's more related to your intelligence, like you become a, a, a doctor and, and uh, you, know, you marry a doctor and then you know, you're successful because you make a lot of money as a doctor. Well, you have to be smart to be able to become a doctor. So those kids are usually not dumb. What you do have sometimes are kids that are spoiled when the parents are successful and then they end up screwed up. They either... Don't try very hard in school, feeling that they'll be taken care of either way, or they, they're so used to getting their way that they just uh, do what they want and getting all kinds of trouble. Those things happen. Daniel72 saying in chat, I should rest my voice by playing more 80s songs in between. Yeah, I'd love to, but people complain that I play 80s songs just once at the beginning of the broadcast. Now, I will confess something. I had two great-grandparents who honestly were not very smart. I didn't know them that well. They were alive when I was born. But from what I hear, these two great-grandparents were not very smart. They just were not smart people. But yet their child, their first child, who was my grandmother, who passed away 16 years ago, but uh, she was actually very smart. And I, I don't know how that happened. And her siblings weren't all that smart. And I can say that because they're all gone now, too. Don't have to worry about them hearing this, but uh, she was the only smart one in that family. Somehow some fluke thing happened, and two parents who were not very intelligent and had a number of kids, somehow their firstborn child ended up being very intelligent. So if you feel that I am intelligent, then it's partially thanks to that, because that's one of my grandmothers. I don't know how that one happened. Now, both my parents are actually very smart. So, I can't say that any intelligence I have, that I, I bucked the trend there. Anyway, moving on here. Let's get to the first topic, and that is the World Series of Poker pieces I am selling of myself. I mentioned this last week. I am once again selling pieces of the World Series of Poker. I'm selling eight events out of the ten I'm playing. 
And these events are sold together as a package. These events are as follows. Where is it? Yep, I brought up the wrong thread. That's why I can't see it. All right, here, here we go. They are as follows. 1500 limit hold'em. The Millionaire Maker, $1,500, no limit hold'em. $3,000 six-handed limit hold'em. $1,500, no limit hold'em. $1,500 extended play, no limit hold'em. $1,500 limit, uh, sorry, no limit hold'em. $10,000 limit hold'em. And $1,500, 50-50, no limit hold'em. I'm not going to describe all these events. Again, I've done that on previous shows. You can look them up if you want. I'm selling those as a package for $132 for a half of a percent, meaning that if you buy a half a percent for $132 and you get exactly a half a percent of the total that I cash in all eight events combined, not profit, but what I cash. So you pay $132, you get 0.5% of whatever I cash, period. We take my total cash of those eight, divide by... 200, and that's what you get. If you want more than that, you can buy eight shares, meaning 4%, for $1,056. I have sold so far, I'm selling a total of 80 shares. I've sold about half of it. So there's about 40 left. So get on this, because they, they are being bought fast. And... I'm proud to say that a number of the people buying shares this year are not from the forum, but they're actually from this show. People who do not have forum accounts at all, but listen to this show regularly and have faith in me at the World Series of Poker to be successful. And I appreciate that. And I'm going to try very hard to make that happen. As I've said before, I don't need the money, so you don't have to do this as like charity for me or do me a favor. I only want you to do this if you want to. Why? Because I can afford to enter. So I'm going to enter no matter how many shares I sell or don't sell. And I'll be fine whether I win or lose. But if you would like to buy these shares, then go right ahead. Email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com If you do want to do something charitable for the show... Uh, then you can donate to the free roll, or if you really want to be charitable to me, you can you know kick me a little money to help pay the bills since the site does lose money every single month. But I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just saying that you don't have to feel obligated to buy here because I need help. Because I don't need help. This is just something I'm doing for whoever wants a piece. So let's get to a real topic. Let's get to... My go-to topic on the show, something I love to talk about here, something I have become renowned for talking about on this radio show. I've been talking about it for a very long time. Yes, Lock Poker. Lock Poker has apparently gone down for good. Oh, no. Where is your money going to go? I think you know where it's going. the same place it's been for years, and that's in uh, Jennifer Larson's pockets. They have not paid a single cash out to anyone, anywhere, in over a year. So I think it's pretty clear at this point that they 
them going down is like a formality. However, it's a good thing because that means no more deposits because they were still collecting deposits from those who were not in the know and were signing up through shady affiliates that were still directing people there. And if anyone was an affiliate of Locke at this point, they're really bad people and they are thieves as far as I'm concerned. Every affiliate knows the truth. But anyway, Lock Poker at least can't take deposits anymore from the few players who don't know what's going on there. So it's actually good that they're going down. Some people are saying, ah, oh, why does that matter? They, they're not paying anyway. We've known that, so does it really matter? Yeah, it stops the damage from further occurring. Uh, you will never see your money, short of uh, Jennifer Larson being arrested and prosecuted and forced to pay restitution. But they're obviously never paying you. They stretched this as far as it would go. Why they took the site down, I don't know. This was reported on April 18th from uh, John Mahaffey. He said, the server is down. The form to establish new accounts there is broken. The casino doesn't work. And parts of the site have an expired certificate. And that's the way it still is, as far as I know. If you go to the site, lockpoker.eu, it still will load. And it still has a stupid Battle X promotion on there. But none of it works. So either it's down for good or it's fallen into such a state of neglect that it's gone down and they don't even realize it or maybe even care that it's down. So maybe they couldn't pay their server bills. Possible too. So Lock Poker's gone. Probably not coming back. If it does come back, then all they're going to do is steal what few deposits they can still get. It is estimated that a lot of money was stolen by Lock Poker. How much? How much, you, you might ask? 10 to 15 million dollars is estimated to have been stolen by Lock Poker. This is pretty serious stuff. Hopefully, Jennifer Larson and friends will be found and either brought to justice or served justice some other way. This site has been nothing but a big scam for years, and it got worse and worse as time passed. Again, I have to call out their accomplices, the affiliates that were happy to take commission for leading lambs to the slaughter, people who had money in there that uh, will never get it off. And the affiliates knew this and kept the lock links and banners and positive reviews. These affiliates are criminals and deserve to suffer for what they did. Card Player Magazine, same thing. Once they respected publication, once they started to hit on hard times, they took big they had big glossy full page ads from Lock Poker. They had big banners on their site. They even had Lock Poker sponsoring their player of the year race all while Lock Poker was not paying people. And I told Jeff Shulman 
the editor of Card Player Magazine about this. I told him personally in May of 2013, he told me he understood it, and he did nothing for nine months. Despicable. And we saw that article recently about how much money that Barry Shulman and his wife had, Barry Shulman be the owner of Card Player, uh, they had a condo that uh, cost $7 million to decorate. <laughs> and, and yet they were running ads for scam poker sites. It's unbelievable. Like, just no conscience. And then, of course, there's the lock pros, the ones who were made aware of what lock poker was doing, and even with everything being told to them and proven to them that lock poker was shady, they still promoted the site and directed people to the site because they still wanted to get paid. They were selfish. All they wanted was to stay on the payroll or to keep getting their priority cash outs by towing the company line and screwing everyone else. These people also deserve your scorn. Now, as an interesting aside, Seth Polanski got into the fray of all this. You may say, Seth Polanski? He's the the VP at the World Series. What does he have to do with lock poker? Well, this is what happened. Steve Ruddock, known as Steve-O on Poker Fraud Alert, tweeted, looking to talk to a couple of players that have been screwed by lock poker for a column. Let me know if you're interested. And Seth Polanski saw that and responded to Steve-O. And what he said was this. And then he continued and said this. <laughs> that's, that's really Seth. I'm not kidding. Anyway, he said, I'm not sure screwed is accurate. Play with fire and get burned. The risks, the risks are quite known. No victims here. Greed wins? Wow. So he's saying there's no victims of lock poker, Seth Polanski. Vice President of the World Series of Poker. And WSOP.com. That was surprising. Now, Seth is known to occasionally go off with controversial opinions. You know, some guys in corporate America, they're very, very scared to say anything that could get them into hot water. Not Seth. Seth just goes off and, and you know, speaks his mind. But I guess he does a good enough job there at Caesars to where they keep him. I, I will say that Seth is always very responsive to me when I have any question for him. He is not too big to answer to me or this show. He, uh, he always gives me not just a response, but a long, detailed response of any question I ask him. So I appreciate that. But anyway, I, I can't agree, though, with what he had to say there. And many others felt the same way about Seth's statement. So here are a few angry tweets back to Seth Polanski, who said that uh, there are no victims here and that greed wins. Mazin Corey known as M Sauce Poker on Twitter, said, it's a pretty insensitive point to care about making right now, and this is coming from someone without money on lock. So he's saying that uh, Seth Polanski, whether right or wrong here, should not be making this point after everyone lost their money. It's very insensitive, according to Mazin Corey. 
Matthew Parvis of Poker News said, casual players may not have known they were playing with fire due to predatory marketing. He's right. Not the player's fault. Yep. People who read Card Player or went on these affiliate sites and saw great reviews for Lock Poker. Yeah, how are they supposed to know? I mean, I guess they could have Googled them, but some people are not that diligent. So that wasn't greed. That was just, I mean, it was greed on the part of the affiliates and Card Player for advertising them, but the players were definitely the victims. Darren Rabinowitz also chimed in. I wonder what religion Darren Rabinowitz drew. Rabinowitz. <laughs> I'm Jewish. I'm not even saying it right. Darren Rabinowitz. I wonder what religion he is. Well, he said, um, no, screwed is still accurate. And this mentality, referring to Seth's mentality, is disrespectful and rude. Basically condoning stealing because they aren't regulated. So stupid, man. Players have culpability, but no victims? So Seth responded to Darren the Jew Rabinowitz and said, The mentality that needs to change is expecting an operator with nothing to lose to do anything what they, but what they did. So basically Seth is taking the standpoint similar to the – I don't know if it's a fairy tale. It's more of a, a story about the frog and the scorpion. And in case you don't know that story, and they tell this to kids all the time, the scorpion goes up to the frog and says, hey, I can't swim and I want to get across the river. You can swim, so can I get on your back while you swim across the river? And the frog says, you've got to be kidding me. I am not going to trust you because I know you will sting me. And if you sting me while I'm crossing the river, I'm going to get paralyzed and we're both going to drown and we're both going to die. So no, you can't get on my back. So the scorpion says, why would I do that? Why would I do that? Number one, you are helping me. And number two, if I do that, we both die. So it's self-defeating. So obviously, if you're helping me get across the river, I'm not going to do something to kill both of us. So the frog says, all right, you got a good point. Get on my back, we'll go across the river. And the frog goes across the river and about halfway across... The scorpion stings him. And the frog freezes up and starts to sink and knows he's going to die. And says, why did you do this? We're both going to die now. You said you weren't going to. Why, why would you ever have done this? And the scorpion says back, because it's in my nature. And you knew my nature when you let me get on your back. So Seth is saying the same thing that players should have known the nature of these sites that are willing to break the law to offer you poker. And when they screw you, you're not a victim. You just walked into it and should have known that pretty much these sites were the scorpion and they were going to sting you, even if everyone goes down when they sting you. So then Matt Salzberg got into it with Seth in response to what he said there. Matt said, Seth, are you for real? And Seth said back, sorry, Matt. I am. <laughs> sorry, I am. <laughs> are you for real? Yeah, sorry, Matt, I am for real. 
This cycle has to stop. Affiliates and players have to say no to these sites and break the cycle. Matt Salzberg says back, Maybe I guess at this point, thanks to the, thanks to Locke, the expectation by players should be that they will get robbed. And Seth says back, they will if they're in the U.S. That's exactly the mentality they should have now because it's true. America's card room is likely next. Oh, ho, ho. Seth Polanski dropping a bomb on us that he thinks America's card room is going to be the next to screw people. I guess he must be somewhat a fan of Bovada because he's not saying they're going to screw anyone. They're the biggest site. He thinks America's card room is going to be the next lock. Well, I don't agree with Seth's position. I told him, I'm sorry, but I can't agree here. Anyone not living in either Nevada, Delaware, or New Jersey only has U.S.-facing illegal sites like this to play online poker. Long-time online poker players, such as myself, had little choice but to move to these sites. Now, so admittedly, the writing was on the wall about Locke for a long time, but many victims there were led there by predatory businesses like Card Player Magazine. Aside from Locke Poker itself, the vitriol should be toward the pros of Locke Poker and their marketing partners, not the players who got stolen from. So that's basically how I feel. I, I don't think it's realistic that anyone who's not in one of these states just needs to sit on their hands and wait and make no money. You know, you've been a poker pro for years, doing well online poker. You, you, you quit whatever job you had or maybe you never got a job out of high, sco- high school or college. And you played online poker and you were successful. And then all of a sudden on... April 15, 2011, the rug was pulled from under you by Black Friday. Well, what do you do at that point? You just say, well, okay, I'll wait until it becomes legalized. Well, if you're not in those three states, it hasn't. And we're four years later, it still hasn't. So what do you do at that point? Just uh, make no money? Quit poker? I I don't understand. I mean, yeah, you can do those things, but it's not realistic to say everyone's going to do that. Online poker players, when they are forced off the sites that they're used to playing, will try to find other sites to play to continue making a living. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, yes, we are all aware that there is increased risk. We're all aware at any time any of these sites can shut down and take our money. This includes Bovada, America's Card Room, Merge, whatever. Locke has been clear for a very long time that they're shady, but the, the other ones, which don't have as bad of a record, could shut down too. And run off with our money. But it's a risk we are taking. Because we have no other choice. Now, the people who work for the legalized online poker rooms are very frustrated. Seth is a high-level employee of WSOP.com. And WSOP.com has been somewhat of a fail site. As have all of the legalized online poker sites. None have performed anywhere near expectation that was placed upon them when they started. And this is no secret. So there's a lot of bitterness from those associated with those sites, and they blame somewhat sites like Bovada, America's Card Room, etc., for stealing their traffic, figuring if these did not exist, then they would be doing better. That's somewhat true, but that's the same cop-out that Ultimate Poker used 
in explaining why they were failing. Why they were failing, but the truth is they were failing because they put out a poor product and did not give the people what they wanted and needed. So they blamed what they called the pirates. So I understand why Seth does not like these sites. They are the illegal competition of a site that he works for. But WSOP.com is not available in all 50 states. It's available to only a small percentage of the U.S. population. So when you're in California and you play on Bovada, for example, that does not take away business from WSOP.com because you can't play on WSOP.com from California, at least not right now. So don't blame the victims. Don't blame the people who got stolen from. Blame the ones who knowingly promoted these sites like Locke when they knew they were shady. If you want to promote a site that has not been proven to have a major issue yet, like Bovada, fine. But Locke, it's been clear for a long time that they were really, 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 really shady. And yet the greedy people who got money for promoting them did it anyway and didn't care if you got stolen from. Remember that when you see or speak to anyone who was a lock poker affiliate long after the scandals became clear. Think of that when you see Jeff Shulman or Barry Shulman at the World Series of Poker or anywhere else. And let them know it. If I see Jeff Shulman at the World Series, I'll mention it to him and say, hey, I told you back in May of 2013 what was happening. You told me you look into it. Well, now everyone lost their money. Your readers that went to lock because they assumed it was a safe place to play advertising in your magazine, they, they lost their money. Why didn't, you, why didn't you take the ads down when I told you back in May of 2013? Why? I, I really want to know why. That's a real question. So, hopefully Locke is just done. Hopefully there's no return of Locke in any way. They may, they may try to come back in a different form. You never know with him. Hopefully it's just done. Muck Ficon saying, is Todd really calling some random guy a Jew based on his name? Come on. Darren Rabinowitz? He's not a Jew. Jay Stat saying to be careful of my uh, criticism of uh, Seth Polanski. You know, I, I, I think Seth understands what we're doing here. I, I think he knows I am being fair to him. I, I will give him compliments along with criticism. I even said I know where he's coming from. I just don't agree with him. Not on this. Now, last year, if you remember, when there were all these stories and all this panic about how unsafe the Rio parking lot is and how there's a mugging there and the Rio didn't do enough, blah, 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 and they abused this poor guy who who came up all bloody, and there's a big panic about it. And rather than join the panic, I looked into it, And I spoke on behalf of the World Series and said they were right. 
that this victim was actually making a drug deal in the parking lot and was trying to avoid security and was not cooperative with security after he was found all beaten up because he didn't want to admit what he was doing there. So that's not the same as people getting mugged in the parking lot. That's doing a drug deal in the parking lot and the shady people that you are dealing with, literally, beat you up. So I I put that story out. I, I defended the World Series there. I, I just tell it like it is. I, I'm not going to be out for anybody here. I, I, I'm just going to take the truth and put it out there, whether it's pro-World Series, anti-World Series, whatever. Alrighty. Don't know how much more there's to say about that topic. Let's just move on. To a JSIP update. So, John Sepulveda, Juan Sepulveda, known as JSIP, scammed our community pretty badly two years ago. Pretended to have a charity podcast, and then most of the money ended up in his pocket. He ran a buy a piece for cash games, similar to what I'm doing for the World Series, except it's for cash games, and I'm doing it for the World Series, and I'm actually really selling you legitimate pieces, and he just stole the money on his buy a piece that he ran on Poker Fraud Alert. It was not a good chapter for Poker Fraud Alert's history. He was never an admin on Poker Fraud Alert. He never had any ownership here. He never was a moderator of any sort, but he was still a very active user, and, yeah, it was kind of embarrassing that that happened here. I, I was very unhappy when I found out of what was going on. But he vanished, and uh, it was thought that he basically was going to get away with it, and we weren't going to see or hear from him again. Well, he was found again by some users of Poker Fraud Alert, and... Basically, all of his current info was located, including his girlfriend, his current job, a lot of stuff that could be, really be messed with by simply telling these people or entities about his past. So a user of Poker Fraud Alert sent him an ultimatum saying, you better come forward and make this right, or we're going to drop the hammer on your new little life you created. So, of course, he did show up on Poker Fraud Alert and posted a whole convoluted story about he had gambling addiction, he did things he wasn't proud of, blah, 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 blah. A lot of BS. But the most interesting part was his claim that he is going to pay everyone back. He's going to make monthly payments. He sent me $250 immediately, which I did receive, and claimed he's going to pay $400 a month to me to be distributed back to the victims until he gets all the way up to the amount that he stole. Well, the community did not receive him very warmly. And, of course, there are many accusations he's only doing this out of fear that he's going to pay one or two times and then vanish again. Basically, he was full of crap. We decided that what we're going to demand of him is not just that he pays $400 a month because that gives him too much time in between payments to disappear. We wanted payments every two weeks. So he agreed every two weeks to send $200 starting April 29th. Now, I've already received 250 from before. 
Starting April 29th, he's going to send $200, and I think on uh, May 13th, two weeks later, he will send another 200 if he keeps to his schedule. Now, he's claiming he's only making like $12 an hour at work, so I don't know how he's going to pay us back the money he owes for the long term, but hopefully he does. So he actually agreed to that demand, and he agreed also to sign and notarize a legal document acknowledging he owes this money and acknowledging that he is going to send $200 to me every two weeks. And of course, when I say to me, I'm not keeping the money. I'm holding the money. And then uh, a, a group of victims that kind of represent all the victims will uh, come up with a fair and equitable way to distribute the money. And provided that I, I think that they're being fair about it. I'm not, I'm not going to decide how to do it, but provided I think that uh, they've come up with a reasonable solution, then I will distribute the money as they tell me to distribute it. Jacep does not personally owe me any money, so I'm not keeping any of it. It's all going back to the community. So he agreed to that too. I have to actually put together a legal document for him to sign. Let's see here. I'm trying to find where he sent me this. Uh, I'll read you what he sent to me. I should have had it up, but, you know, I never have these things up. Uh, That's not it. Here we go. He said, this is on uh, April 16th. Six days ago. Hello, Todd. I spoke to Brandon today. He relayed to me that a two-week pay schedule would be preferred, and that's something I can do. I understand why that's a preference, and I wanted to shoot you an email since you are the person I'm sending money to. I can do 200 every other Wednesday, with the first 200 being sent April 29th and May 13th, and every two weeks thereafter. This should add extra money in some months to get the balance down sooner, and that's my preference. Also, I wanted to see if there's anything I needed to do as far as a promissory note or other documentation. Thanks, John. So I said back, I will send you a legal document shortly, which I would like you to sign, notarize, and mail to me. I still have to do that. The 200 every two weeks starting the 29th is good. I will post an update to the thread, which I did. And he said, okay, thank you. I will get it sent out ASAP. If I had to guess, I think he will pay on the 29th. Whether we get it on May 13th, I don't know. I hope we do. I hope we do. It is possible this is just buying time until he moves on to another chapter in his life, but... It is possible this 200 every two weeks is worth it to him for us not to disrupt everything else going on that he has going in his life these days. So, I hope we get it. Now, of course, he pays us back. That doesn't mean he's forgiven. He still stole from us. He'll never be forgiven. But at least we will have the money back, and the crime is less horrendous at that point, though it's still pretty bad. Of course, he's only doing this to save his own skin, not because he feels guilty. He claimed in the thread he felt guilty, that this may have hastened it a bit, but he he meant to come back and do it. Yeah, sure. He would never have come back if we didn't find him. So don't screw over the PFA community. We will find you. We have some very smart and resourceful people who will find you, who will track you down, and who will make your life miserable if you screw this community. So don't do it. Just be honest. Don't steal money from us. It's easy. 
Let's talk about Alex Jacob. If you want to call in right now, you can. 775-FRAUD-55. 775-372-8355. In the chat room, Muck Ficon says, I'm sure Sep is running another scam to pay off this one. Yeah, I kind of thought about that too, that he might be robbing Peter to pay Paul, and we're Paul in this case. You think he gives a shit about his $12 an hour job? Dude is already looking for a way out, and that's very possible too. I mean, obviously this is not someone who's going to be happy working a a normal low-wage job for his life. This is someone who always wants an easy street at the expense of others. From the 951 area code, all hail Jay Acosta. Check out my new blog. He writes blogs on poker fraud alerts, so check it out. 646 area code asked me, when was the last time you went to Jack in the Box? Well, that's a good question. I think probably a few months ago, mainly because there's not really a Jack in the Box all that close to me. And there's some fast food places I prefer over Jack in the Box that's closer to me, so why would I go there? Uh, I think the last time I went there was when I was driving to Vegas and I passed through that uh, Lenwood Road area of Barstow. And most things were closed because it's the middle of the night and Jack in the Box was open. So I went through their drive through Some of you might remember, I think it was from 92 or 93, there was an E. coli scandal with Jack in the Box where between some tainted meat that they used and improper cooking temperatures, dangerous E. coli bacteria remained in the meat. And and some people got very sick. I think a few people even died, like some little kids or old people. That's typically, by the way, who dies from those sorts of things. If you're really old or really young. So if you're listening to this show, you're probably not going to die anytime soon from a food poisoning sort of thing. Usually your body is stable enough to get past that. But if you're very, very young or very, very old, then that can kill you. People keep saying I'm live on Twitch. I, I, I'm not broadcasting on Twitch. I guess it's, I guess someone could be rebroadcasting me on Twitch. That'd be funny, but uh, you definitely can't see me on Twitch. There's no webcam on right now. There's there's no point to to look at my mug during the broadcasting of this show. FPS Russia says I think you guys should let Jason keep his ill-gotten gains. What a fucking hustle! LOL. What? Why should he keep it? I don't get that. Druff install a ditto cam, referring to uh, Rush Limbaugh. Oh, this is Rush Limbaugh here on the EIB radio network. And, um, you know, I have to say that the people believe the liberals are are for online poker. And, and it's the conservatives saying... No, 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 no. Uh, we don't want online poker. We're going to tell you what to do in your own bedroom. It's the liberals who are open-minded. And I'm going to show you that that's not true. She's awesome. <laughs> but even with all marijuana's proven benefits, there's always one guy who's got to be a total narc. Governor Chris Christie says if he becomes president, he will crack down on states that allow the sale of marijuana. Marijuana is a gateway drug. Um, We have an enormous addiction problem in this country. Marijuana 
is an illegal drug under federal law, and the states should not be permitted to sell it and profit from it. You heard the man. Hey! Let the man be ideologically consistent. <laughs> or at least appear that way. No Christie administration will tolerate, let alone raise revenue from anything addictive or that federal law disapproves of. <laughs> Roll the tape. Chris Christie is the guy that signed into law the, to legalize internet gambling. He claims legalizing sports gambling would add a new source of cash for his state. Well, there is a difference, though, to be fair. If you smoke too much pot, no one comes to break your knees. <laughs> we'll be right back. So as you see, um, we have John Stewart, a known liberal, who is making fun of online poker like it's a bad thing and uh, that this is something that Chris Christie should not have legalized. So, so who is the friend people of online poker? We have Ron Paul who speaks for online poker and says not to pass laws against it. And then we have John Stewart, famous liberal, who's against them. Okay, okay, enough of the, the Rush Limbaugh impression. Anyway, I want to talk about that anyway. <laughs> John Stewart, as you hear, ripped Chris Christie, who I'm no fan of myself. I don't like Chris Christie. But Chris Christie not only authorized online poker, but online casinos in New Jersey and wanted to see online, or not online, but uh, sports betting online and otherwise in New Jersey. Didn't happen, but he tried. So John Stewart was ripping him saying, how can you be for this and not for legalized marijuana? Now, I see the point he was trying to make. He wasn't necessarily bashing online gaming. He was saying, you can't make one illegal and the other legal. They're both vices. But the problem is he's sending the wrong message. He's sending the wrong message that online gambling is something that's bad, that is addictive, that should be avoided from a legalization standpoint. That's, that's basically what he's trying to imply there. He's trying to imply that's worse than legalizing marijuana and that if Christie is okay with evil online gambling, how could he be against something as harmless as pot? Now, whether you're for or against legalizing marijuana, that's not the point. The point is that Jon Stewart did something a little bit irresponsible there and, uh, and bashed legalizing online gaming painted in a bad light in this brief segment when, honestly, it shouldn't be. Honestly, it should be everyone's right to gamble legally online on licensed and regulated sites. I have said this before, that you should not make the mistake that the Democrats are on your side when it comes to legalizing online gambling and the Republicans are against you. It is a very mixed bag. There are Republicans who are for it. There are Democrats who are against it and vice versa. Yes, there are Republicans who want to stop online gambling. Yes, there are Democrats who want to stop online gambling. Yes, there's Republicans who are for allowing online gambling and legalizing and regulating it. And there are Democrats who are for legalizing online gambling. You just should not pigeonhole this issue into partisan politics because this is one issue that is not partisan one of the few issues these days that is not partisan. So be careful when you stereotype candidates. Keep in mind back in 08 when Obama was elected, people said, ah, 
Obama, he even plays poker sometimes. He's going to be a friend of online poker. These days of the Department of Justice seizing net teller and seizing payment processors are over. Because this was a this was an office in the Southern District of New York, the U.S. Attorney's Office over there. These were Bush appointees running that office. Now they're all gone, and Obama put his people in. So that's the end of that. Well, they were right in a way. That's not what happened. I mean, they, they weren't really going after uh, net teller type processors as much anymore, but uh, they went after the sites themselves, and Black Friday happened under Obama's administration and from an office of his appointees. So it's a, Obama himself, is new, he's neutral on online gambling, just as George W. Bush was, just as I imagine the next president will be. It's not a big issue to them. But just just be careful when stereotyping which party is for what, because you can't do it. Bobby Orr, who is a liberal who likes to disagree with me, says, uh, John Stewart is a liberal, but not a politician, Druff. He has no power. Conservatives with political clout are opposed to it. Stop using your conservative Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> well, John Stewart is very intellect- intellectual. He's very uh, influential. Just as Rush Limbaugh is. So, just as when Rush Limbaugh gets behind something and liberals don't like what he is getting behind and bash him for it, I I can do the same toward John Stewart. But I'm not even blaming the Democrats for this. I'm saying both parties have good and bad people as far as online poker is concerned. If you look it up, you'll see. I mean, Harry Reid, he said that one of his goals before he leaves office is to stop the legalization of online poker. And Harry Reid is definitely no conservative. So, I'm telling you, it's a mixed bag. If I was being partisan here, I would say, oh, it's all the liberals' fault. Look at Harry Reid. And I'd name other uh, liberals who were anti-online poker legalization. I'd name all the conservatives that are for it. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be fair and tell you that both parties have people on each side. John Stewart, of course, is resigning from the Daily Show soon, so we won't see him commenting on this issue anymore unless he gets a new show, which I guess is possible. Okay, let's talk about Alex Jacob, who was on Jeopardy six episodes in a row, racked up, I think, about $150,000 in winning. He had a very interesting and unique strategy to attack the higher areas of the board. He got used to clicking the button really, really fast. I don't know how he did it, but he he could always click it faster than his opponents. Uh, He did a combination of rushing and stalling to manage the clock. Uh, Basically, when he built a huge lead, he would stall as much as possible. And when he would want to build this lead, he would choose and answer questions very quickly, sometimes even interrupting Alex before he could finish reading the question, which you don't see very often. You, You always see... Alex read the whole thing and then the 
contestants ring in, or if they have rung in, they, they don't say anything until he calls on them. Alex just like rings it when he sees it's his turn. He just interrupts him. Well, he did very well. He was crushing his opponents, building insurmountable leads. Basically, Alex did not like the gamble that is Final Jeopardy. He didn't like the whole thing coming down to one question. So he wanted to double up on all his opponents to where there's no way they can catch him and he can just bet zero on Final Jeopardy and be guaranteed to win. And this was very successful. And up until the sixth episode, only one person seriously challenged him and that person kind of realized midway through what he was doing and started to emulate it. Well, finally, he met his match on the sixth episode. And of all things, it was an individual named Todd. Todd defeated Alex Jacob. It took Final Jeopardy to make it happen. But Alex was unable to have a two-to-one lead on Todd despite racking up $26,000. So Todd was just very good. Todd also racked up a lot of money. He got 18400 Usually if someone has 26000 on Jeopardy, they're free and clear to win. But uh, Todd did very well as well. And uh, he was also very good at getting questions right. He was also very aggressive, and uh, it all came down to this. So here's here's the final question that Alex answers correctly, and then they go into Final Jeopardy. Alex. What is Zimbabwe? That's the country. And with that, you wind up at 26400 an $8,000 lead. All three players still very much in it as you get to deal with this category. Business. Think about it. Make a wager. Back in a moment. So Alex must have been pretty happy with the category of business. You know, some categories are stronger than others. I have to imagine that would be a category that he'd be pretty good at. And here came the question. It's all about business for the final today, and here is the clue. This social media company launched in October of 2010. In 2012, with about a dozen employees and no revenue, it sold for $1 billion. 30 seconds, players. Good luck. So, I don't know if you've seen this, but the obvious answer here is Twitter. But is Twitter the correct answer? I mean, it sounds like it launched October 2010. 2012 sold for a lot of money with barely any employees and no revenue. It sounds like Twitter. But is it Twitter? We come to you, Monica. You had 9,600. And you wrote down what is... You started with, looks like Instagram. You crossed that off and settled on Twitter, and you are incorrect. Oops. <laughs> she, she crossed out what turned out to be the right answer. It'll cost you how much? 5000 That drops you to 4600 Let's go to Todd now. He had 18400 and he wrote down what is Instagram. He didn't cross it out. And that's good news for you because that is the correct response. You add $8,001. You're in the lead by a dollar. So he bet the amount to go ahead of Alex by $1 if Alex bet zero. So that was the strategy he did as far as the money he was wagering on the question that Alex had to get it right to beat him. He was basically betting that Alex was going to get it wrong. So, Alex, did he get Instagram? 
as we come to Alex Jacob. He's won nearly $150,000. What about today? Will he add to it? So he, he puts up his hand and waves goodbye. Nope. He's waving goodbye. Where will he finish? Well, he lost $10,000. he will finish in second place. Todd Lovell, congratulations. So he said Twitter also finished with a hair under 16000 Begin the week as our new Jeopardy champion. We'll see you tomorrow. So when they do this outro here for about 15 seconds, you get to see the contestants there. So Monica, she's kind of like you know, scratching her neck, just kind of looks like a typical contestant who lost and isn't thrilled but isn't dejected. Well, Alex looks like his world is over. When he waved goodbye, it was kind of funny, kind of cute, you know, kind of unique, but uh, – then he went into dejected mode. I, I think Alex really thought he was just going to run at this forever, like Ken Jennings did. I think Alex believed after his dominance that he was going to last more than six episodes. I believe he made the tournament a champion, so we'll see him again. But I think he expected more. And he had his head down while they're playing that final music as the episode finished. He, he couldn't even put on a smiley face or at least just stand straight. He actually had his head down as the music played. Now he closes his eyes. He actually, uh, he finally picked his head up and then closed his eyes. He was very, very, very dejected. Now Alex is shaking, uh, Alex Trebek shaking hands with uh, first the winner, Todd, then Monica, then he comes to Alex. Promotional consideration provided by... And Alex was... Alex Jacob, that is. The two Alexes here, of course. Alex Jacob was so dejected that he even had a hard time shaking uh, Alex Trebek's hand. He kind of turned to the side and stuck out his hand and quickly shook it and then kind of turned away. Uh, boy, was he just depressed over this. I think it was kind of shock and depression. I think part of it was that he may have thought Twitter was right. And then, obviously, he got to see it wasn't when Monica got the same answer incorrect. And then all he had to hope was that Todd got it wrong, too. Once Todd got it right, he knew it was done and put up his hand to wave goodbye. It's a good run for Alex, though. Amazing knowledge he had about so many different categories. And Brandon was saying maybe we can get him on this show. So maybe we can. He, He apparently was not doing interviews during the show's run, even though it was taped back in February. But now that it's over, maybe we can get him on here. So I'll have to talk to Brandon about that. It would be very interesting to speak to Alex Jacob about uh, his experiences on Jeopardy and you know how he came up with a strategy and, and what his expectations were. How far did he think he would go? And what would he have done differently on that last episode, if anything? Uh, he really did just run into someone who recognized what he was doing and was a very good Jeopardy player. So it happens, you know, you, you run into a good opponent, sometimes it's hard to win. So that's the end of Alex Jacob on Jeopardy. Very good run for Alex. Some people were disappointed that Alex, given his uh, origins in online poker, how could he not know this? But I have, it's kind of a trick question. It sounded a lot like Twitter. Now, if you really think about it, Twitter existed before October 2010. 
it would be easy for me to know that because I was tweeting about my World Series of Poker main event run, where I finished 88th, in July of 2010. So obviously Twitter didn't start in October 2010 if I was using it in July 2010. But uh, it's easy to forget that when you're in Final Jeopardy and uh, you know, you're playing for all this money. It's easy to forget that and jump to the obvious but incorrect answer. So Alex did it, Monica did it, and uh, Todd did not do it. And Todd is the champion. So some people were unhappy also that uh, Griffin Banger apparently spoiled the result on Twitter. That uh, there were too many tweets about this before people got to watch the show. Anyway, good job, Alex. I was impressed. We were all impressed. I think the poker community was proud of Alex Jacobs' skill in the game of Jeopardy. Not a not a game you would associate with a poker player. Uh, I see the Dodgers are losing two nothing to the Giants. Kershaw versus Bungbarner. I mean, look, look what a nice guy I am. I do this show when there's this epic matchup of Kershaw and Bumgarner. Bumgarner doing better right now. Only allowing three hits. No runs. But I could be watching this. I want to be watching this. But I'm doing this show instead. I am doing this show. I'm not watching it. So... I think that you need to thank me for doing this show instead of watching Kershaw and Bumgarner go at it. That's what I think. I'm kind of glad I'm not watching. San Francisco looked so terrible. Starting off 4-10, and the Dodgers were starting off 9-3 and and swept the Rockies, swept the Mariners. Now they're about to lose the second one. I mean, I mean that, they may not lose, but... They're losing for the second game in a row to last place San Francisco. What other uh, topics do we have here? Let's talk about uh, Jonathan Duhamel leaving Poker Stars. He has been shown the door. Now, Jonathan Duhamel has had some tough times since he won the World Series in 2010. If you remember, his girlfriend tricked him and had guys come over. I guess she unlocked the door or something. I forgot the exact part in it, but she organized it to where some big guys came over forced their way into the house, tied him up, beat him up, and uh, took a bunch of stuff, including his World Series of Poker bracelet, which the the World Series actually remade for him. It was found eventually, but in bad condition. Uh, The great Canadian justice system sent his girlfriend to prison for 
Six months for this. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Six months for doing that, for uh, setting up your boyfriend to have a bunch of guys come in and beat him up and rob him. Six months. <laughs> anyway, he has been a Poker Stars pro since winning the 2010 World Series of Poker at the age of 23. He was the first Canadian ever to win the main event, and he won almost $9 million. He also got another million from Poker Stars. I know this because they were going to give me that million if I won. Anyway, uh, Duhamel is actually a good player. He's not really a one-hit wonder. He has been successful since then. Uh, in January 2011, he, w- he won the uh, European Poker Tour. Uh, he finished fourth in the 2011 NBC National Heads Up Championship. Uh, he then had a lot of big caches in 2012. He got fourth in the uh, Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure, a high roller event, earning uh, 313000 He won 239000 at the same series at the uh, $5,000 8 Max No Limit event. And then he won the high roller version of that event for uh, 634000 I mean, he, so he's, he's won almost $4 million or cashed almost $4 million in tournaments other than the 2010 main event. That's pretty damn good. This is pretty much all since uh, 2010. So, uh, as I said, uh, in de- the end of December 2011, two men, uh, John Stephen Clark and uh, Anthony Baroque, tied him up, beat him up, and uh, threatened to kill him as they stole his bracelet, his Rolex watch, and uh, 40,000 Canadian dollars and also 74,000 euro. And uh, eventually all of them were uh, convicted, including his girlfriend who set the whole thing up. Uh, what was what was kind of comical? What's this? What is this? I see my sound effects are going crazy. What was kind kind of comical? Uh, Clark and Baroque, who uh, stole the World Series of Poker bracelet, even though it was a main event bracelet and it was the only one known to be stolen, they, you know, his name was printed on it, Jonathan Duhamel. They scratched off the Duhamel part, figuring that. Uh, that would prevent people from knowing it's the same stolen bracelet. <laughs> Bunch of geniuses there. It's the only main event stolen, uh, main event bracelet stolen, but uh, somehow no one's going to know it was his if, if it just says Jonathan. <laughs> but uh, Bianca Rojas La Traverse was the mastermind behind this crime. They were arrested two days later. But anyway, getting back to the present, uh, Duhamel is no longer a PokerStars-sponsored player. Now, this was rumored already when he was seen in the prelims for the World Poker Tour Seminole Hard Rock earlier this month and did not have a PokerStars patch on. So they said, hmm, why does he not have this? And some people said, ah, oh, maybe he forgot it, but there were some rumors. And turned out it was true. Duhamel has not made any sort of public statement about the decision. 
He just said that he and PokerStars won't be working together in the future. That's a pretty harsh statement. Won't be working together in the future. He didn't say, I'm no longer there, or my time with PokerStars has come to an end. We won't be working together in the future. That's saying never. I'm never coming back. It's over. Not only am I not a pro now, I will never be a pro. That's not what he's saying, but that is what he's saying. They won't be working together in the future. I have to imagine this is probably bitter. At least semi-bitter. Why'd they get rid of him? Well, they are really trying to market to the European market. Now, he's not an American. He's a Canadian. But uh, I guess they don't see enough value in having a Canadian main event champion anymore. Keep in mind that Amaya doesn't really believe, and that's currently PokerStars owners, they don't really believe in the original strategy by Isai Scheinberg and the original ownership of having a lot of different pros representing PokerStars and that that's a way to grow the brand. They believe in fewer pros and they think if certain pros are not carrying their weight, they need to be cut. Even if uh, on the surface it would seem like, oh, a main event champion from 2010 is a great thing. If they determine that that what they're paying him is not yielding the same results in increased revenue, that they're losing money in the whole thing, they don't want it. And I can understand that. In fact, I, I think having too many pros is a waste of time and money. I think it's much smarter to get a few big-name pros that are very visible, like Negranu is for them, and have those people be the faces of the site and, and have a lot fewer faces. So that's pretty much what Amaya has been doing. They've cut a lot of people, and uh, Duhamel has been one of the latest ones. I thought the thing with Joe Kada that they did a while back, the 2009 champion, was interesting because Joe Kada was willing to work for free. All he wanted was to not pay rake there. He wanted them to give him all his rake back, and they said no, and the justification was basically, well, if you play a whole lot on here, then that can be a whole lot of money. And he's like, yeah, but... uh, if I'm playing a whole lot on here, you know, it costs you basically nothing to have just one additional player there. Uh, my presence there will probably make you more money just from people seeing that I'm playing and wanting to play with me. And, uh, and all you're really doing is giving me back something that I would otherwise be paying. So you're not, you're not paying me you know, 100000 or whatever or 200000 whatever an active player's rake back would be. Uh, you're just not taking it from me, which is totally different. But they didn't see it that way. They said, all right, well, you can still play on here, but we're not giving you a rate back. And poker stars, they were so arrogant saying that we know we're the best. They didn't say this, but they were implying we know we're the best. So we know if you want to play online poker and you can play online poker for where you are, you're going to choose us anyway. So we don't need to give you a rate back. We're not going to cost ourselves this revenue that we know we will get from you because we know you're going to play here anyway because we're the best. So Joe Kata, he they wouldn't even hire him for zero. Plus Rakeback. Do Hamill, I don't know what led to this, but I have to imagine whatever they were paying him before, they decided he wasn't worth it. And they either wanted to cut what they were paying him by a lot, or they just cut him. It's very possible they just fired him. But to say he won't be working with them in the future is pretty strong. 
So they used to collect World Series of Poker winners of the main event like a college sorority girl collected STDs in college. But not anymore. They are dropping them. People in the chat asking, does he, do they still sponsor Moneymaker? Last I heard, yes. And he's kind of a different story. He was kind of the, the guy who got the whole poker boom kicked off in the first place. Let's take a look. Where do we even find the pros here? I can't even find them. Oh, here, Team Poker Stars. Okay, pokerstars.com slash team-pokerstars. The answer is yes, Chris Moneymaker is there. The current roster, and they have some that are, uh, well, it's a very long roster. That's not that long. It's uh looks like, uh, what is this? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, it looks like 52. Still a lot of pros, but uh, they're still trimming the fat. I think they kind of list them in order of their prominence, too. As we go down, I don't know these people. But at the top, I see Daniel Negreanu, Chris Moneymaker, Liv Bory, Bertrand Gospelier, Jason Mercier, Jason Somerville, Vanessa Selfs, who looks especially butch in this picture. She looks like a dude in this picture, like even more than normal. Um, Jake Cody, Barry Greenstein, still there. Eugene Kachalov, Leo Margetz, Leo Fernandez, and from there I don't know these people. Actually, I do. I know Ivan Devidov, I know Andre Kari, I know Theo Jorgensen, Luca Pagano, Johnny Laden. But then after that, uh, the only one I really recognize here is Victor Romden. The rest of him, I have no clue. Isaac Haxton and uh, Lex Veldhuis are still there. Adrian Rosam is still there. I, I, how is she still there? Adrian Rosam, a.k.a. Talon Chick. I realize that she's female. And that makes her more marketable. But uh, Adrian Rosam is just a Canadian cash grinder. I think she plays like Omaha 8. And... Now, I think she's a decent player, but she hasn't had any big tournament scores. She's not really all that marketable. Uh, she's cute, but she's not, like, super hot, and she's not even all that young. I think she's, like, late 30s now. So I'm surprised they still have Adrian Rostam on the roster. They also have Randy Liu, uh, Nananoko. Remember that guy who just, like, was lived there? That guy always had, like, the most tier points? Not your points, <laughs> VPPs. He was always the first to Supernova Elite, so he's still there. And the rest, I, I don't really recognize. Maybe some of these are like players associated with certain countries. Andre Akari has been at my World Series of Poker limit table a number of times. I just seem to get him a lot. And boy, that guy is tight. If Andre Akari is check-raising you, you're in bad shape unless you have the nuts. That guy is really, really tight. Which, 
usually is not that good when you're playing a World Series of Poker limit event. Being somewhat tight is good, but not too tight. David Chu, who is probably the very best of limit hold'em tournament players, and I can say this from both his results being the number one casher of all time in limit hold'em at the World Series and just from playing with him. He has an interesting strategy in that he lets you run him off hands. He doesn't want to play Sheriff. He doesn't want to do uh, hero calls. He uh, He's very good at ascertaining whether he's ahead or behind and then drops. I actually ran him off a worse hand when I was in bad shape. Last World Series, I think I had like nines and he had jacks and the board came... Uh, Ace rag rag, and I I ran him off right away. But um, it is true you're not correct to make light or medium light call downs at limit hold'em tournaments. But uh, David Chu takes that to a new level. But I, Jason David Chu just is is very aware of when he's ahead and behind. That's what makes him so good. But Andre Akari, he's too tight. Like, David Chu's not all that tight. He'll enter hands. He just, uh, he'll let them go easily. Andre Akari's just too tight, in my opinion. Watch, he'll be listening, and then he'll be facing me this year and bluff me. It'll work. Like, Andre, if you're listening, go ahead and bluff me. I'll, I'll fold, I promise. I will not think you listen to this show. I will fold if you check-raise me. Oh, I guess she runs, uh, this talent chick, I guess she runs a lot of the uh, Sunday ladies events on Stars. I was told. Um, talent chick doesn't like me. And as often is the case, I was guilty by association. Uh, this this one was actually Brandon's fault. <laughs> she came on the radio show that we both used to be associated with. And um, after she, you know, it was a, the interview was fine. Uh, It went well. She was in Las Vegas at the time. And after we thought she was gone, she was still listening to the show. Now, I was afraid of that, so I didn't want to say anything. I really didn't have much bad to say, but but Brandon started going off of this whole thing, analyzing her looks and uh, talking about how she was, quote, poker pretty, referring to that she's, you know, not actually pretty, she's only pretty for a girl in poker and he said some other things along those lines and, and the funny thing is Adrian Rosem's not even a bad looking girl like as I said she's not like like super hot but but she's not a bad looking girl and she and as I, she, she looks pretty good for her age so it's not like she's ugly uh, overall I'd say she's attractive she just doesn't like super hot anyway Brandon was being a little too harsh on her and uh, she heard everything he was saying, and she didn't know who was who. She didn't know who was Brandon, who was Druff, so she just kind of put it on both of us. So she told someone after that that she's very hurt and that Dan Druff and, and this Brandon guy were really mean about the way she looked, and she felt very bad. And I felt bad hearing that. 
I didn't even feel that way. I didn't. Even, it's not like I thought she was ugly. I, I actually didn't even think she was ugly, but she believed not only did I think she was ugly, she believed that I told the world she was ugly. And it actually was Brandon saying it. So <laughs> I got blamed for it. I actually was trying to stop him. I was trying to get him to stop talking about this, fearing that she was listening. Now, this doesn't matter that much. It's not like we were friends. It's not like I have to see her very much. If I did see her, like nothing would happen, obviously. But, you know, I, I just don't like things like that. I'm not really blaming Brandon. You know, Brandon, people love Brandon because he he just will say things like that. He'll just give his opinion. And uh, people enjoy Brandon's analysis of that sort. But uh, in this case, he probably shouldn't have said anything until he was sure that she wasn't listening. And, And really not said anything at all because it can get back to her. So... Talent Chick does not like me very much. All right. Talent Chick, if you do hear this, by the way, or someone tells you about this segment, I, I really do apologize, and I didn't say the stuff. I, I don't want to throw Brandon under the bus. But, uh, I actually was not the one saying that stuff. And I honestly didn't feel it. So that's the truth. Take it up with Brandon, not me. And uh, that's because he actually is the one who said it. I have enough people who hate me in poker. I don't, I, I don't need additional people hating me for things I didn't do. But I'm not blaming Brandon. That's just the way it fell. When you do a show like this, people get pissed off. That's the way it goes. All right, so let's do our contest. 9 o'clock Pacific time. Let's do our contest. The show is flying by. The contest is called Did This Really Happen to Druff? And you will win if you win the contest. I'm not giving you charity. you got to win it. A certificate courtesy of I Am Greek, a listener of Poker Fraud Alert, to stay at Paris, Las Vegas, anytime Sunday through Thursday between now and September 30th. All you have to pay is the $25 a night resort fee, which gets you internet there, by the way. Still sucks, but it's a great deal, though, $25 for Paris. I Am Greek does not make a penny off this. This is something he won and is giving away. I guess it's transferable. If you want to play, and you're either going to come to Vegas between now and September 30th on a weekday, or... You have someone you can give this to that you know. doesn't have to be a member of the forum. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, unless this is our contestant. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, how's it going? It's Reno. Reno? Yeah. Okay, Reno. Are you here for the contest? Yes, I am. All right, very good. Is this the first time you've called the show? Yes, it is. Now I have a question for you. You call yourself Reno, but your area code, 630, is not a Reno area code. Did you ever live in Reno? Yes, I did for a year and a half. <clears throat> I moved away, but... I don't blame you. A year ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you for leaving Reno. I, I kind of see Reno as like the poor man's Vegas, and... Uh, uh, the only good thing about Reno, if you can say it's good is that the girls in like, Reno... Uh-oh. 
Well, that's two good things. When you're close to Lake Tahoe, and two, the girls in Reno are a lot easier than they are in Vegas, and they have lower standards too. So, like, I, I found that like the girls in Reno, uh, if they lived in Vegas, the same ones that would not touch you in Vegas uh, would touch you in Reno. Like, it's just like a, a lower standard there. So you can get hotter chicks there than you would in Vegas or other cities, from what I've observed from uh, my travels to Reno, shall I say. Yeah, I wouldn't know about that. I'm married, so. <laughs> okay. I, I, I wouldn't know about it recently, <laughs> but yeah, in, in some years past, I, <laughs> I, I got to experience that. All right, so this is the contest. Did this really happen to drop? I'm going to tell you five stories, and you got to tell me, yes, it happened, or no, it did not happen. Number one. All right. In 1995, I got to know a girl over a telephone party line and we really got to like each other. By the way, in the chat room, don't give any hints. She lived in the Fresno, California area in a town called Clovis, about 250 miles away from me at the time. I lived in Southern California then. I drove up to meet her. Everything went really well. And she even gave me, turn down your radio if you have mixed company, a blowjob in my car in a closed strip mall parking lot. However, after I got home, she stopped calling me. And she would not answer the phone when I called her. I thought I did something wrong to piss her off. And I felt kind of sad, to be honest. But I was horrified very shortly after that to get a visit from the police. What did the police want? They told me that she had been murdered. And I was the last one seen with her. I was questioned. I was not arrested. My parents immediately got me a good attorney. I was only 23 years old at the time. I couldn't afford a good attorney. Uh, I was really nervous that I'd be wrongfully convicted about uh, for this and then maybe sent to prison for life. I mean, they, I was the last one seen with her. Uh, but before I got to worry for too long, as, as the next day came and I had a little more time to calm down and think about it, I said, wait a minute. I stopped at a Union 76 station on the way back from Fresno to where I lived in Southern California in a city called Granada Hills. And Granada Hills is in the L.A. area. It's about 200 miles from Fresno. So I, they had told me what the time of death was and asked what I was doing at that time. I said I was driving back home. And they said, can you prove it? I said no. And I, I didn't have a cell phone in 95. I couldn't prove it through, through anything like that. But I said, wait a minute. I thought about the next day. Wait a minute. I stopped and got gas at the Union 76 right at the time, like probably within like 10 minutes of when they said the murder occurred from the estimated time of death. So obviously, if I was at that gas station 200 miles away, there's no way I could have committed that murder anywhere around that time. So I, I immediately called the police and told them this. I, I didn't even wait for my lawyer to call. I, I just wanted to get it out to them. Go, go to the 76 station in Granada Hills and, and you know, get their surveillance video if it still exists. If they had one. Well, they did have one. And fortunately, it, it was on a loop that runs for about, uh, I think, 96 hours. So it was still there. And they had a video of me getting gas at the time when the murder occurred, 200 miles away. So, so that was that. And they never arrested me. And they said, sorry about that. They, uh, they focused their attention elsewhere. And it turned out her ex-boyfriend, surprise, surprise, was uh, the guilty party. He was convicted. And why did he do it? He was jealous of her dating other men, which means I got pretty lucky there, too, that uh, 
he didn't catch us together in that strip mall or follow us or something. So uh, he is still in prison. He was uh, given a life sentence. Did this really happen? I'm going to say no. Is it correct? No. I don't have a yes thing. So yeah, you're correct. This didn't happen. I made it all up. I figured you would have told that story before. Yeah, I, I thought now. that would probably be what people would <laughs> guess on this one because this is such a, a big thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just wrote that story today. I just thought <laughs> I, I tried to make it sound realistic. But the problem is, people who've been watching this or reading the forum or listening to the show figured, how could I have not mentioned that twenty years ago I was you know, falsely accused of murder? All right, number two. All right, so you already got one right. If you get uh, two more of the next four, maybe you can just flip coins and do this here, then you'll win. Number two, in 1983, a soccer coach asked for volunteers to work at his skate shop. I tried to volunteer, but I, I wasn't fully paying attention when he first offered it, and I was slow to raise my hand. He picked the first kids who responded and raised their hand, and uh, I told my mom about it afterwards, and she lectured me that I need to pay better attention, that I will miss out on many opportunities in life, if I'm daydreaming when I should be concentrating. My mom was very frustrated with me. Well, a year later, 1984, this coach was arrested for molesting children. (laughs) Including the kids from the soccer team that I was on that he had picked to work there. He's now serving a life sentence after getting out of prison and molesting more boys. In fact, it was thought that he molested over a hundred boys in his lifetime. Did this really happen? Yes or no? Um, I'm going to go with no. You're going to say this did not really happen. I did not come that close to getting molested by this soccer coach. Let's see if you get the current affair or the other sound. Uh oh! Yes, it really happened. Your answer is incorrect. This really happened the way I said. I came that close. Pretty scary stuff. But uh, fortunately, I was looking up at the sky and didn't raise my hand fast enough. And that would have been awful. All righty. Number three. You're one and one so far. You got to get two of the next three right. But if we have losers every week, I'm never going to give these things away by September 30th. I, I shouldn't say that yet. You've, you did well in the first one. Second one was tough. Number three. In 1963, yes, this has to do with me, even though I wasn't alive then, my father had a serious girlfriend who really wanted to marry him. He liked her a lot and felt something was kind of off with her, though. He, he just, you know, she wanted to marry him, but he just felt like something wasn't quite right with this woman. So eventually he just couldn't bring himself to do it. He was, he was pretty young then. In 63, he was only 20 years old, but, but he was... Uh, he just couldn't bring himself to do it. He thought there was something weird about her. He couldn't put his finger on it. So he, he broke up with her, and and she was really crazy when she broke up with him and, and pretty much verified his suspicions that she was nuts, uh, almost to the point of stalking him. And uh, finally she gave up when she finally realized that he, he doesn't want her. Not too long after that, he met married my mom. So two years later, they were married. And that was that. He hadn't heard from this woman for a long time and, uh, and felt that that was a closed chapter of his life. However, 
1977, more than 10 years later, I was five years old. She found out where he was living and uh, drove to his house and waited outside in her car. Well, I was five. I went outside to play outside in front of the house. And, you know, that sounds crazy today. If you have a five-year-old, you're not going to let him play in front of your house alone. But uh, back in 1977, that was very common for anyone that age. I, I don't know how old, how old you are, but uh, are, are you old enough to remember 77? Yeah. Okay. So would you say that's accurate that a lot of like five-year-olds are outside their house playing at that time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a different when it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different time. So so uh, she, this woman saw me come out and realized who I must be. And, and she waited you know, to, for my mom to not be there and for me to be alone, for my mom to close the door. And then she went up to me and told me to, you know, she wants to talk to me and get into her car. And said she's a friend of my dad. So I, I, I should have known. My mom even told me, you know, if a stranger ever says get in their car, don't say yes. But I was a five-year-old. She sounded convincing. It was a woman. I figured, okay, fine. And so, you know, I, I got in the car. She said she's a friend of my dad's. She knew his name. So then it got really weird. Uh, she, she started driving, and she said, you know, you're supposed to be my son. And I'm thinking, as a five-year-old, what do you mean by that? I'm supposed to be your son. So I, I didn't say that. I just kind of like sat there and listened. And then she said that um, she's going to drive somewhere a little bit away and that she's going to take me to her house and that my dad is going to come over and that uh, he's going to meet both of us there and they're going to start a life without my mom. And I, I was really confused and upset by the whole thing. I I. Didn't know what was going to happen to me. I, I didn't know if she was telling the truth. I, I Even as a five-year-old, this seemed really weird. And uh, fortunately, she, maybe because she was kind of nervous, she was speeding. So in Woodland Hills, California, which is about uh, 40 miles away, she was pulled over. And the police officer, fortunately, was very aware. He noticed she was acting nervous. So he told her to step out of the car and questioned her. And then uh, told her to just sit in his vehicle while he talks to me. He just he just had a feeling something was wrong. And uh, he asked me some questions, and I, I told him the truth. I told him what she said about I, that I should have been her son and that she's going to take me back to her house and my dad's going to join us and leave my mom behind. And they thought this was really strange. So they immediately called my parents, who were horrified to hear about this, and they said, don't worry, he's safe. And they brought me home and... Uh, Obviously, they arrested her. Oh, shit. She, she was she was sentenced to four years in prison for what she did, and uh, my my parents weren't thrilled about that, knowing she might return. But uh, she actually got out in two years thanks to good behavior in '79. But instead of contacting us a month later, she committed suicide. Did this really happen? No, it's bullshit. It's a bullshit story. Why do you think it's bullshit? Uh, I think we would have heard about that by now. Uh, another <laughs> same thing. Uh, you guys, uh, <laughs> you guys think you know this too well. All right. So, are you correct? Yep, you're correct. This is a false story. Never happened. Uh, in fact, uh, my parents got married fairly young, and uh, they never had any serious relationships. They they weren't the first people that each other dated, but, you know, they, they didn't have any serious relationships prior to each other, like really serious relationships like this. So this whole thing never happened. Hockey guy says the timeline's fucked. No, it's not. The timeline, the timeline actually is correct. It just didn't happen. 
There's nothing wrong with the timeline. I, I, I would know how to write the timeline correctly. All right, number four. You're two and one here. If you get this next one, you've won. On July 24, 2000, finally something kind of current, semi-current, I was the contestant for a Dodgers contest called Guess Who Will Hit for the Cycle, where I would receive a million dollars and a new house if I got it right. A Dodgers player had to hit for the cycle that day, and I had to choose which one it was going to be. Now, I had a, an ability through some phone trickery, legal phone trickery, but uh, through some trickery, to uh, pretty much be the contest, the contestant at will. But I, I didn't want to abuse it, so I, I did it back a third of the time. Uh, surprisingly, they didn't stop me. You'd think that after hearing me over and over and over being the contestant and having to announce my name uh, before each game that they would be embarrassed. It would seem like they have no listeners, but, uh, but they actually... Let me do it. On July 24, 2000, I picked Gary Sheffield, as I always did. He was on roids then, but that's uh, not really the point. He had a double, a triple, and a home run, and had at least one more at bat. This is in Colorado, where it's a lot easier to get hits. He had at least one more at bat, and maybe two, coming into the seventh inning. The Dodgers were also up by a lot in the game. So if he did get a base hit of some kind other than a home run, he probably would have stopped at first, even if he could have made it to second or third. Because they, he, he wouldn't have needed to go on for the game scores purposes. He, just, uh, he would have completed the cycle, would have been the first Dodger to do it since 1970. So I, I was beyond excited here. I, I was beyond excited. And uh, I, I'm sitting here just, just like sweating when he comes up in the seventh. What happens? They hit him. They hit him on purpose. They didn't, they didn't want him hitting for the cycle on their home turf. And I was just devastated. I, I was so pissed, I can't even tell you. I, at least give the guy a chance. I thought I had a better than 50-50 chance to win because I thought he'd probably come up this and one other time and just had to get a single. So I thought, all right, all right, you know, maybe there's a small chance this was an accident and maybe they won't hit him twice. So he, came, he did come back up in the ninth and they threw four super outside pitches to him, almost like an intentional walk. Now, it wasn't an intentional walk, but it, it might as well have been. So he walked. That was it. No more at-bats for Sheffield. He did not hit for the cycle. I did not win the million dollars and the house. Did this happen, yes or no? Yeah. I heard you tell a story a few months ago. Well, this... And, uh... Let me tell you something. This was a trick question. <laughs> I did tell the story, and it kind of happened, but it didn't. I was not the contestant that day. That was the story that I would have been the contestant, but my yeah. then girlfriend pressured me to go to Las Vegas, and I could yeah, not do this thing. I couldn't that do this phone trick from yeah. I, I couldn't do this phone trick <laughs> from Vegas. You you can find this in the blog section, by the way, of Poker Fraud Alert. You can read the whole story, but. Uh, yeah. But uh, I couldn't be the contestant. And then I, as I'm driving back from Vegas, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing this on the radio going, oh, my God, this could have been me. And I'm, it, it's about to win. Him. Actually, the person picked Sean Green. They wouldn't have won. But I would have picked Sheffield. I would have been on the hook to win a million. And then when I heard the way it went down, I was thrilled. I was thrilled that uh, I didn't go through the ups and ultimate downs of the situation. So, okay, you're two and two. I thought you might miss this. I thought you might. This, was, this question was here to counteract the other questions because I knew people would remember the story but maybe not think of the – proper details just as you correctly answered those yeah. two because these were two major stories that I had never told before so you figured that uh, they had to be false here's the last one 
If you get it, you win. If you don't get it, you lose. All right. In 92, That's a 92, this is not a trick question, by the way. This is just straightforward here. 92, I was on a first date with a girl from Newhall, California. I was 20 years old then. I was driving her to go see a movie, going about 50 on a 45-mile-per-hour speed limit road. As they passed through a green light, normally a car turning left did not see me coming and was headed straight for me. I was driving a 1976 Honda Civic with, a, with no airbags and a poor safety record, to be honest. I was headed for a head-on collision and major injury, or maybe even death, seemed inevitable. Did I die? Yes or no? Okay. With, uh, with surprisingly quick reflexes, though, probably from playing all that pole position in the arcade when I was younger, I, I turned immediately to the right and missed the other car by inches, really by inches. But it wasn't over. I was now headed for a telephone pole at high speed. So I slammed on the brakes as fast as I could. The car came to a stop six inches. I went out and measured it from the telephone pole. So there's no impact of any kind after all this. I was shook up, but nothing was hit. A witness ran up and said he saw the whole thing, and it was, quote, unbelievable. He said the cars were so close, it looked like they almost went through each other. And, and he said that uh, he was amazed by my reaction time in avoiding it. He said there was no chance from you know, when he was watching it go down. He, this is a pedestrian on the road. He said from seeing this happen, he thought there was zero chance that it, this could have been avoided. He, he could not imagine there was a chance for it to be avoided. He could not believe it. And, and with how close it was, it looked like our, the cars hit each other even though they didn't. Uh, the driver ran up to me and he apologized. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't see you. I'm so sorry. So the witness then asked, he said, hey, you know, uh, I saw the whole thing. If, if you're going to go to court with this, I, I saw it all. I can, I can, you know, tell the court what I saw. So I responded, "Nobody hit anything. There's, there's nothing to report. There's nothing to go to court for." So we drove off. We actually saw the movie. I did have sex with that girl later that night, but her good luck did not last. Not about the sex with me, by the way. Her good luck did not last. She got into a very similar car accident. Ten years later, again as a passenger, which nearly killed her. And to this day, she has a hard time walking more than a few steps and is getting foot surgery after foot surgery to keep trying to repair the damage over ten years later. In fact, she just had a surgery a few months ago. Did this really happen? I'm going to guess yes. What does that mean? That means you won the contest. Congratulations. You are the winner. Yes, this did actually happen. I came this close to a 50-mile-per-hour head-on collision in an unsafe 70s car. But thanks to my lightning-quick reflexes, I avoided it. And I impressed a pedestrian on the road at the same time. I mean, how much, how, how great can that be? And, and I got laid, too. What a great night. But, you know, it really happened exactly as I described it. And... Uh, very memorable story for me, especially sometimes I think back to it and think, what if what if I was slower? What if I did not avoid it? Would I be here? Would I be in a wheelchair? Would I, I be missing limbs? Uh, would I be able to walk? Like, a, like that could have been a super life-changing moment or a life-ending moment, and yet it's only something I think about every so often because I avoided it. So I was lucky there. 
Lucky and skillful, I should say. If I <laughs> brag about myself here. All right, so congratulations. You win. Uh, what you can do is PM me, and uh, I will then put you in touch with I am Greek and see if he either wants to send the, the certificate to me or if you want me to uh, – or if you want to deal with him directly or whatever it is, I'll, I'll talk to him about it. And you're going to be at the World Series, right? Yeah, so we'll be meeting up. Yeah. All right. And the, yeah, you won the uh, you won that uh, Colossus uh, $565 buy-in, right? Yep. Yeah, so you're, you're winning all over the place. So, uh, so yeah, I will be maybe the one. I can just get him from you then. Yeah, yeah, maybe we can do that. So he can uh, – now, the only question is do you need it that night? Because I was going to suggest for the Colossus buy-in that you we don't meet at like 8 p.m. or something or else it will be an obscene line. Like we need to lead, meet kind of fairly late at night. So, uh, um, I, you talking about for the, for the hotel? Yeah, if you need it in advance, like uh, if you need it that night, uh, that's probably uh, not the good thing for It's for two it. nights? Yeah, it's for two nights on a weeknight. So it has to start – I don't know if it has to start or entirely be within this range, but it's Sunday through Thursday. I have to imagine it's probably, you know, has to be Sunday through okay. Thursday for both nights. Okay. Then, yeah, I'll be coming on the 29th. So I won't need it till the 31st. Okay. So, yeah, I can give it to you then. All right. So, I'll have I am Greek send one of them to me, and I will give it to you. And at the same time, I buy you into that event. So, you're just winning all, all over right. the place here in Poker Fraud Alert. The free tournament, the free hotel room. I mean, you've just got everything. So. <laughs> All right, thanks, and thanks to I Am Greek. All right, thank you, I Am Greek, and uh, I, I I enjoyed uh, this contest. I enjoyed uh, writing it and, and putting it on. It was close. It was it was it had all the hallmarks of a good contest, and you won. So I'm, I'm proud of this one. Last week's I kind of felt bad that uh, Scott got clobbered so badly, but he didn't really need it, so I'm kind of glad that you won. All right, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next month. Be nice to meet you, and uh, congratulations. All right, thanks. So that's, that's Reno, who just can't stop winning on this site. We have another to give away. We'll do that uh, next week, probably. Wow, that was close. I, th- I thought he might say it didn't happen. I'm not surprised he missed number four about that Dodgers thing, because that was a trick. But... I thought he was going to get two right. I thought he was going to get the first two once he got number one. I thought he was going to get number two about the soccer coach, but no, nah, he thought I was making it up. So, just did it by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, Jay Stat saying Vince Scully is in San Francisco right now. That's It's actually a pretty big deal for Vince Scully, who's now 87, to be traveling anywhere. He only travels within California now to do games. So if the game is not in LA, San Francisco, or San Diego, maybe Oakland, and, you know, and of course Anaheim, then he does not do the games. But he did go to SF, and uh, Vince Scully, he still sounds great. And he looks pretty good for his age. Now, I, I've seen physically he's not great. Like, he doesn't walk that well. He's not uh, he's not that spry physically. But uh, he is 87. He'll be 88 later this year. And uh, he's been working for 66 years doing Dodgers broadcasts. Dad 
Danzo saying he wants to go to Vegas but too scared to fly. I don't know how far you are, Dan, so you could take a, a train if you're in the U.S. I don't know much about you, but uh, you could always take a train. I know it takes a long time, but uh, truthfully, flying is very safe. It, it's Yeah, it can kind of freak you out as it's taking off or if you think about what it would be like being in a plane that's crashing, but it's such a tiny percentage of them that crash. So you're really pretty safe. Yeah, you, you know, the bad luck can get you, but think about it. Every day you get in your car, the bad luck can get you and you can die. Jay Stats saying Vin Scully looked pretty dapper on TV with a blue suit. He's saying RFL at train. Well, what else are you going to do? I mean, you can drive. I, I don't know. I don't know where you are. Oh, Michigan? Yeah, that's, that's pretty far. That's pretty far to drive or take a train. So, let's go on to the next uh, topic here. Talk about uh, Paul Fua. Fua. Who has received a very favorable ruling. That this, uh, this guy ran a World Cup betting ring from a Caesars Palace Villa, he actually was running a sports betting operation from right inside Caesar's Palace, and uh, the FBI used a ruse to get in there by uh, turning off his internet access, and then when he called up to complain, hey, my internet's dead, they said, okay, we'll send some texts in there, and then the FBI came in pretending to be the texts, and then um, planted some, uh, some bugs in there. And uh, and we're able to get the goods on him. So he is in court for his uh, gambling misdeeds for running a sports betting ring inside a Caesars, which also offers sports betting, which is a big no-no in Nevada. You you should know by now in Nevada you don't uh, run competing unlicensed gambling operations. I think we know someone pretty well who also did that and now is uh, no longer in this country. So anyway, U.S. District Judge Andrew P. Gordon ruled on Friday that this ruse that the FBI used and state gaming agents were involved as well, uh, and Caesars of Palace employees, of course, also cooperated, it violated FUA's Fourth Amendment rights. Now, this recommendation also was made by a U.S. Magistrate Judge Peggy Lean, who said that the evidence seized from the villa occupied by Paul Fua should be inadmissible. Uh, Federal prosecutors had uh, fought the recommendation, and they're saying that subjects of an investigation only had, they were only entitled to basic needs like food, water, heat, and shelter, and not to uh, modern conveniences like the Internet. So, therefore, the Fourth Amendment did not apply. That's what the Fed said. And who out here remembers what the Fourth Amendment is from eighth grade social studies class? The Fourth Amendment is part of the Bill of Rights that prohibits unreasonable search and seizure. 
and says that any warrant has to be judicially sanctioned and supported by probable cause. So they, they did this with no warrant. And um, they're claiming that, uh, you know, this is fine, though. They were investigating him and uh, that, that they didn't uh, see. The argument is, let's say they turned off the water and then he had to let them in to turn it back on. Well, uh, they could successfully claim that you, since you can't live without water, since it's a basic life need, you have to let someone in. And therefore, if you're really letting the police in, that's equivalent to an illegal search. But they're saying here they just tricked him to let them in for something that's an extra in life, the Internet. Now, but people are not entitled to the Internet, according to the government. So he didn't have to call them to let them in for the Internet. That was not a basic need in life. So he wasn't forced to let people in to continue living. However, Gordon wrote in a 22-page opinion, I'm going to read you every word. Get a pillow. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to read uh, the relevant part. Fua had a reasonable expectation of privacy in his hotel room. He expressed his desire to protect his privacy the day before the government disrupted the DSL. Is it really DSL? I I think he miswrote on that one. Probably wasn't DSL. Uh, When his butler advised the agents who were posing as TMS technicians delivering a laptop that the occupants did not want anyone entering the villa's interior. When the government could not take advantage of the fortuitous request for a laptop, it disrupted the high-speed internet connection to Fua's villa. The government thus created the need for Fua to request a repair to service a previously available to a service previously available to him as part of his room rental. As a guest at the hotel, Fua could not call anyone of his choosing to repair the DSL. He had to accept whoever presented themselves as authorized by the hotel to perform the repair. The agents presented themselves as individuals authorized by Caesars to enter the villa to repair the problem the government created, knowing that the problem could not be fixed inside the villa. The government misled Fua into believing that to fix the problem that, unbeknownst to Fua, the government created, he had to surrender his privacy right that he was otherwise inclined to protect. Under the totality of these circumstances, Fua's consent, as given to the FBI agents, was invalid. So the, the FBI agents were saying, hey, he let us in, and he didn't have to let us in to fix the Internet. That's not a basic life need. And the judge says, uh-uh, uh-uh. This was supposed to come with his room. And when it wasn't coming with his room anymore that he paid for, uh, the only way to get this feature of his room back is by letting in a Caesars-authorized repairman who is really the government. So, therefore, uh, they took away something he paid for, and for him to get this back, he had to let government agents sneak in, pretending to be the ones fixing it. So the judge said, no way, we're not accepting this. There were two separate searches of the villa conducted on July 4th and 5th, 2014. The ruling by Gordon makes inadmissible all evidence obtained by the FBI during those searches. Now, they can still prosecute him. They allege he is a kingpin of the underground uh, online gambling scene of Asia. They also think he's a major figure in an Asian organized crime ring, which is probably all true. But I think on this one, they're screwed. I think they have to lose too much critical evidence in this case. How do I feel about this? Well, I have mixed feelings. Uh, The guy was guilty. It's not like uh, they set him up or something. I mean, the guy was guilty. It's just a matter of uh, they obtained evidence illegally. I never feel too bad for criminals that uh, 
are busted because they have uh, because evidence was obtained illegally. I'm not saying they should be allowed to do this, but uh, at the same time, I don't feel bad for them if they were really guilty, which he was. Now, at the same time, this is kind of a victimless crime because uh, he wasn't cheating anyone. He was just running a gambling ring that was not authorized by the state of Nevada. So it's, it's not like it's a tragedy if he gets off of this. He, he wasn't. Uh, now, if he's involved in other organized crime where there is, you know, where there are victims, then he probably should go down. But uh, this specifically, it doesn't really bother me if he gets off. Just my opinion. Not, not, this is not a legal opinion. This is just my personal opinion, how I feel about uh, Paul Fua in this case. As far as the merit of what the government did, that's yeah, a close one. Um, you know, I, I see their point about the internet is not a necessity, but I also see the judge's point that uh, if you paid for something and the government takes it away from you without your knowledge and then you have the hotel send people in to fix what the government took away from you, unbeknownst to you, uh, you are letting the government in under false pretenses, so it is kind of an invalid search and seizure. So I, you know, now that I think about it more, I, I think I'm more on the side of this judge. I think he made the right ruling. Uh, otherwise, uh, this, this could set a bad precedent that the, the police who want to search your home without a warrant can come up with uh, flimsy ways to get into your home by disrupting things and claim it's not essential. I mean, I, I know if uh, my internet was disrupted, I, I would let them in immediately. Jstat says, I think the Malaysia's VP was the father of one of Fua's gang. Interesting. Snowtrack says, long live the triad. All right. Referring to an earlier topic, JSTAT said, I drive eight hours to Vegas from San Francisco. That is a brutal drive to go from SF to Vegas. It really is. Like That's, that's one crappy thing about living in San Francisco is it is not easy to get to Vegas. Whereas from L.A. it is easy. But he, he said he drives the eight hours from Vegas to San Francisco rather than the hassles of flying. So, ne- so nice to meditate on the drive through the desert rather than a crying kid or a chatty Cathy on the plane. I admit that the, going to the airport is such a pain in the ass, and being on the plane is a pain in the ass. It's it's, it's all pretty unpleasant. I I avoid flying if it's five hundred miles or less. But I think from San Francisco, which is a little bit more than that, I think it's like five fifty. I, I think I probably would fly. Well, is Poker Stars coming to New Jersey? We've talked about that a number of times, and it's kind of like a false alarm, like the boy who cried wolf. I keep saying, Poker Stars is coming to New Jersey, and then they don't come. And then I look foolish. But I think that they really are coming this time. Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City, who is associated with Poker Stars, has made an interesting announcement. The owner, whose name is Morris Bailey, said that New Jersey gaming regulators are close to completing the approval process for PokerStars 
gaming license in that state and that he expects them to be approved. So that's it. That's what he said. Poker Stars is close to getting their license. Poker Stars, the process of whether they get approved or not approved is almost complete and he thinks it's going to go their way. In which case they would be associated with resorts. The, uh, they partnered with Poker Stars in uh, the summer of 2013. But uh, in December of 2013, the New Jersey Department of Gaming Enforcement held up PokerStars licensing application saying that uh, they didn't like that Isai Scheinberg was still involved with PokerStars. So uh, then they sold to Amaya. There was no more Isai. And then they uh, started it up again, the approval process, this time uh, filed between Amaya and Resorts, Amaya being the new owner of PokerStars. They filed for a transactional waiver in October 2014. But why is it taking so long? It's six months ago. Chris Christie, who we talked about earlier, was accused by State Senator Ray Lesniak of blocking PokerStars' approval because uh, Christie wanted to run for president and he wanted Sheldon Adelson and all his money to be on his side. That was an accusation never proven by Ray Lesniak of New Jersey saying that Chris Christie blocked PokerStars' approval. But uh, apparently that has passed and uh, they're very, very, very close to approval, at which point they'll be on the fast track to being up and running in New Jersey. And the, I have a feeling the other sites in New Jersey are going to get crushed. Now, I still think it will be a fail site. New Jersey is just not a big enough market. Let's take a look at Poker Scout, which tracks traffic in online poker. Taking a look at where... World Series of Poker New Jersey is and uh, the other New Jersey sites on the list. They currently have 238 cash players on WSOP.com in New Jersey with an average of 170. And uh, that's even inferior to what Nevada has, believe it or not. Now, Nevada, there's really only one viable site, but uh, in New Jersey, New Jersey, there's also the Borgata, which is party poker. They have 162 people on there at the moment with an average of 120. But that's pretty much it. So right now, as we speak, there are exactly 400 cash players online playing poker in New Jersey. Now, the difference is they do pretty well on the casino part. Poker doesn't do very well there. Poker is a fail site, but in New Jersey, they also have a casino. No sportsbook, they have an online casino where you play directly against the house, and there they've been cleaning up. They don't even need a lot of players because their house edge is so big. So they've done very well there, but they've done very poorly in poker, and still overall they've made a lot less than they thought they would on the combined effort between poker and uh, the casino. So... What I'm saying here is with only 400 players on between these two sites, I mean, how well is PokerStars going to do? They're, they're definitely going to take traffic away from these sites, but they may get some new traffic because PokerStars is better software than what Party and 888 provide. 
But still, I just don't think there's that much interest in online poker there. So we'll see what happens if it really does get approved. A second story regarding resorts in New Jersey is that they have developed something they call an iGaming Lounge. If you want to play on ResortsCasino.com, you can now do so, playing slots, blackjack, whatever, from a lounge within the hotel. Where you can log into ResortsCasino.com using tablets or touchscreen kiosks or even laptops. You can sit down. Uh, people can get together and hang out as, as you know, one of them play or a few of them play next to each other. I have to think this wouldn't be good for poker, though. It's good to allow collusion. But uh, I think this is just for the casino, not for the poker part. Of course, they don't have poker yet. But in a press release, Resorts said that the lounge is the first of its kind in, a world, in the world of digital iGaming. It's a room that is solely dedicated to online gaming and will serve as a prime location on the casino floor to indulge in online gaming fun. So, so basically, it's a, this is a fancy way of saying uh, we're giving you access to our laptops and touchpads and tablets to play on our casino site in our little lounge instead of making you go to your room to do it. I don't know if this is going to really catch on because if you're in a casino and you want to play blackjack, what do you do? Well, you go and play blackjack. You you don't need to sit in a lounge to play online blackjack if you're in the casino already. That'd be like going to Dodger Stadium to watch the Dodgers and then saying, you know what, I'm not going to sit in the stands and watch the Dodgers. I'm going to go into the hallway and watch the Dodgers on TV. It's the same thing. If you can play live blackjack, why would you play online blackjack if you're already in the casino? Now, if you're in your room and you're in your underwear or you're just kind of tired, you want to lie in your bed as you do it, then that makes sense why you'd want to play online blackjack rather than regular blackjack where you have to sit at the table with other human beings. But if you have to be in this lounge, I don't see why you don't just go play the real thing. I I think this is going to be a fail. I think it sounds cool, but I think it's going to be a fail. What this reminds me of a little bit uh, I can't find it anymore. I was trying to find a reference to it in Google, but I can't find it. There was a club I don't know the name of it. I think it may have been associated with, with Rio or something like that. I don't know if it exists anymore. There was a nightclub in Las Vegas And I totally would have done this if I were single, but I wasn't when I noticed it. Where you go in the club and there are computer terminals where you chat with other people in the club. That would have been great for me. So you you pretty much do all your flirting and your opening lines and your attempt to get the girls interested in you through the chat room. And then once you've made some kind of little connection there, then you like both stand up and go, oh, here I am. This is what I look like. It, it sounds a little bit stupid, but in, in a way it kind of seemed cool to me. 
And they, they had this at some Las Vegas hotel club. I forget which one. Maybe the chat room might know. This never really caught on too much. I totally would have done it though if I were single. Totally would have tried that. I, I met so many girls through chat rooms, and I was good at it. I was really good at it. Like, like way better than most other guys in the chat rooms are doing that. So, so I, I would have totally done that, but uh, never got a chance. Don't even remember which club it was. I, I never actually did it. This kind of reminds me of that, though. And uh, it kind of reminds me of like someone would say, well, why have a chat room to meet girls and talk to them at the club when you could just walk up to them and talk to them? But at least that has a little bit of a point because it kind of has like it adds kind of like a little fun, modern cyber element to meeting someone before actually going to meet in person. But uh, uh, this playing online blackjack instead of real blackjack when you're in the casino anyway is just kind of weird. So that's called the the iGaming Lounge at resorts. Well, this is a good segue to another topic, WSOP.com. They have modified their rewards program to allow players to earn Caesars tier points. And that may not seem like a big deal. Who cares? But it actually kind of is if you are interested in the total rewards program at Caesars as I am. Let me tell you a little story about an experience I had recently. I wanted to stay at Caesars on April 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th in Las Vegas. I am a Seven Stars member. I called well in advance. You need to do it 48 hours in advance to be guaranteed a room according to the Seven Stars program. I did call far in advance. Not really far, but you know, probably a week. And actually more than a week, probably about two weeks. And tried to reserve my room. They told me, the 10th is fine, you can have that. The 11th is fine, you can have that. We cannot give you the 12th or the 13th. I said, what? Of course you can. I'm a Seven Stars member. I'm guaranteed this room for four nights. Nope, you're not, they tell me. I was talking to the National Reservation Center. They tried, they tried to put it through, and they said, look, we really, really want to help you. In theory, we really want this to go through, but we don't have a code that works. The code we have that's supposed to book the reservation comes back denied. The only one that can authorize this is a host. I'm like, oh, boy. Because the hosts never want to help me because I don't make commission for the hosts. Right? I do, but I, I, when I'm in Vegas, I don't. I just, when I'm in Vegas, I don't play the video poker there or any other game that's going to make them commission. So they see me as a no-play customer in Vegas, and they never want to help me. So sure enough, they called the host in Caesars, and they said, yeah, tell this guy, F off. He gets nothing. So I, I needed to be there during those nights, so I ended up taking those two nights at Caesars and then moved to Bally's for the other two nights. I couldn't even get Paris. I mean, maybe I should have taken I Am Greek certificate and just... Uh, Used it for myself and won my own game. Then I could have. It was Sunday through Thursday. <laughs> it, it, it actually was. It was Sunday through Thursday. But uh, they had some major convention in town, and Caesar's rooms were going for like 900 a night for their standard rooms. It was crazy. So that's why they didn't want to give it to me. They didn't want to lose 900 bucks they'd be getting per night there. So they actually blacked it out. So that was the first time that ever happened to me. 
But what annoyed me here, and the reason I'm telling you this story, is that I was not a non-player when I stayed at Caesars Properties. I was playing a ton on WSOP.com. Whenever I would be at one of their properties, even during the World Series, I was playing a whole lot of limit hold'em, multi-tabling, generating a crap load of rake for them there. Now, people always like to say, oh, they don't like poker players. They, you know, The rake they generate is minuscule compared to what they make from them in the casino. Well, that's true, except this is online poker. This is totally different. That's why poker stars made over a billion dollars just on rake. Because online poker, it rakes so quickly, and you can multi-table, that the rake really adds up. It's not like live where it's so slow and they don't get many hands in. You get a ton of hands in. You can get thousands of hands in in one session. So I have raked many, many thousands of dollars on WSOP.com playing very, very actively. Or Sometimes pretty much the whole trip I'm just sitting in my room playing WSOP.com. So it's true. I haven't been playing video poker in Vegas because the pay tables suck and I haven't been playing blackjack or anything else they prefer to see me play. But I was playing WSOP.com, which they promoted very heavily. Even the they have this uh, do not disturb thing for the door. Even that says uh, do not disturb playing on WSOP.com, which, yeah, of course, they don't know if you really are. It's just like a marketing thing. So you, you put it up and go, oh, WSOP.com. Yeah, I should play that. So like they're totally encouraging you to do it. They have billboards all over the place telling you to play on WSOP.com when you stay there. But if you do, you're considered a non-player. They don't penalize you for doing it, but the time you're playing on WSOP.com, you might as well be sitting there and watching porn and spanking the monkey. They, they, actually, they'd probably rather you watch the porn. At least they make the money on the porn you're, that you're watching. But they, they see that as you not playing in their casino when you really are. You're just playing the online version. So I was really irritated about this. I was going, but I am playing. I'm not even like pulling shenanigans on you guys. I really have played a whole lot on WSOP.com while I've stayed there. I've done exactly what your marketing material tells me to do. I, I didn't want to argue it. I didn't think it was worth ruffling feathers for. I was by myself. I didn't have to switch my whole family over there. I just had to move myself. So I said, all right, just, screw it. I'll just, I'll just move myself and my stuff, and that'll be that. So I did. I moved to Bally's. But uh, getting back to the main story here, WSOP.com had its own rewards program. And while they would do what's known as status matching, where uh, whatever your total reward status is, at Caesars Properties, they would match you on the poker room and vice versa. If you earned a certain status in the poker room, that uh, they would go ahead and uh, match it as your total reward status. But you would not earn what are known as tier credits, which is the same as VPPs on PokerStars, basically what makes you uh, rise in status. Uh, you need 150,000 tier credits to get to seven stars. You need 15,000 to get a diamond. You would not earn any tier credits for playing on WCB.com. They would match statuses once you reach the status, but in the middle, you would not be earning tier credits. So they have changed it now to where you earn tier credits on WSOP.com, which I thought was a great change. So basically, they have something called APPs, which just looks like VPPs on uh, PokerStars. 
For every 50 cents you pay in rake at WSOP.com, they give you an APP. So it means if you get raked a dollar, you get two APPs. APPs, you can't redeem them for anything, but they determine what your status is. So before APPs did not translate to Caesar's tier credits, they were their own system. Well, now they do. So now for every APP you earn, you get a tier credit. So if you earn a thousand APPs, meaning you raked $500, you get a thousand tier credits, which is great. That can really help you reach diamond of 15,000 tier credits or seven stars for 150,000 tier credits. So I was happy to see that. By simply raking 75,000 on WSOP.com, which, which isn't trivial, it takes a long time to rake 75,000, but you can if you're a very regular player, you can earn seven stars at total rewards without ever dropping a single penny in the regular casinos. Now, the hosts would hate this, by the way. The, the hosts would hate dealing with you, seeing that you don't ever play in the casino, because they get no commission at all for you playing on WSOP.com. But still, this was a good change. But of course, Caesars can never do anything without initially screwing it up. So listen to this monstrosity of a statement. And tell me if you can figure this one out. This is from their own webpage on WSOP.com. To become seven stars in total rewards... You need to earn 150,000 tier credits between January 1st and December 31st of that year. Okay, so far so good. That's simple. If you earn 120,000 APPs online and earn 30,000 tier credits offline, that means like in the regular casino, that will give you a total of 150,000 and you will become seven star in total rewards. Okay, also understandable. However, this will not make you a seven star on WSOP.com. For existing players to become seven stars on WSOP.com, you need to earn 400,000 APPs on WSOP.com. What? <laughs> and, and yet at the same time, they're still matching the, uh, the, the seven stars. So if you earn seven stars in the casino, they'll match it. But, but they won't match it if you partially own it in the casino and on their site. And if you earn it all on their site, they won't match it. So that's what's really weird is you can earn total rewards seven star by playing on WSOP.com, but you won't get to be WSOP seven star, only total rewards seven star. So you can earn it for the casino on WSOP.com, but you don't get it on WSOP.com. Isn't that weird? Isn't that really, really weird? So... To, or to earn the seven stars in WSOP.com, apparently you need 400,000 APPs instead of 150,000. But if you earn it entirely in the casino, it, it's, not in to, it's not totally clear, but it seems like then they'll match it. It's really, really odd. So, uh, of all people, Nikki of Poker Fraudler gave some clarification. She said that she believes that what they're doing is they're matching seven stars that you earn in the casino if you do it entirely in the casino, but if you earn it at all partially through WSOP.com, oh, then you don't get WSOP.com at all. And I think she's probably right. I think their rationale is because they, they don't want to lower the requirement for seven stars on WSOP.com, which is 400,000 APPs. So they're saying, well, if you get the 150,000, then it'll get you seven stars in total rewards, but then that would be able to match you back here, so you won't get it here too. It, it, it's really convoluted and contradictory. 
It's also weird things like what if you earn one APP on WSB.com and $149,999 in the casino? Does that mean you you only get seven stars in the casino and not on WSB.com? It's really strange. What a mess. I asked Seth Polanski for a clarification, and, and even he didn't know. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm not the one to ask about these details. You need to email the VIP program, which is understandable, but I mean, nobody gets this. I know it's not really his area, but I thought he might know. Now, the weird thing, and Nikki pointed this out too, is that you think it'd be the other way around. You think that they'd be tighter about giving Total Reward seven stars, which has a lot more value than WSOP.com seven stars, where all you really get is 30% rake back instead of 20. But for some reason, they're, they're much more generous with the, with the regular seven stars, even though you're earning it on WSOP.com. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, Sandalmar said in, in uh, the forum, it's rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And I, I have to agree. <laughs> Beer and Poker said, I got confused the minute I tried to read this thread. And a lot of times I try to figure it out. But since I can't play there, I'll save my energy for other things. Yeah, this is almost like uh, who's on first trying to figure this one out. Jeez. They always have to make a mess of things. But, but back to the host thing. Let's say you earn seven stars, total reward of seven stars, by only playing WSOP.com. Let's say you rake your 75K and, and you get seven stars. And you would get it. That's, that's what they're saying here. Well, you have to deal with a host sometimes to get some of your seven stars benefits, like uh, to do your annual trip or to, to get your $500 meal that you get for free and stuff like that. Now, can you imagine how a host is going to treat someone who has never played a single casino game? Let me give you a good analogy. Let's say you eat an apple. When you swallow that apple, that apple goes into your stomach, and immediately your body knows that apple is there and starts to digest it. Can you imagine if when you swallow the apple, it goes down into your stomach and your body does not realize it's there and it just sits and is not your body does not attempt to digest it because your, your body does not know that uh, you just ate an apple. Something you take for granted. You eat, you digest. Well, think of your body, everything in your body you had to tell to do every little thing it does, that uh, nothing was automatic, and that often your body parts are completely out of sync with each other. I mean, you would die so fast. You, you, you wouldn't live very long to tell the tale. But that's the way Caesars operates. Caesars has a bunch of different departments that are supposed to be cooperative, and they're trying to make it look like a a one-stop place to do everything and get everything you need. And yet nothing is well-connected. Nothing works right. Everything is confusing. The rules are incredibly convoluted and confusing when they don't have to be. This is a hallmark of Caesars. This is an example here. It's impossible to understand. It could have been so simple. They could have said you earn tier points. For every APP, you earn one tier point. That's it. We're done. And whatever status you earn on either site, we match. Done. Easy. No, they, they have to make this hard about, well, but if you earn seven star in, in both places, then you only get a total rewards and not at uh, and WSOB.com. You have to earn 250000 more. Like, what the hell? What does this mean? But, but it gets even worse because they have these hosts there, and the hosts pretty much make their living on commission. And how do the hosts get commission? They get commission when you play casino games where you're expected to lose. 
they get paid on what's known as your theoretical loss. They calculate everything you play, what you are expected to lose. It doesn't matter what you win or actually lose, but what you're expected to lose is calculated, and then they get a piece of it. But if you don't play at all, then that dings their commission. Because if they're assigned to you and you're using up a free room, well, that comes off of the commission they've earned. Because there's an expense you're incurring, and you're actually worth less than zero in that trip because you didn't play at all, and yet you used resources like a free hotel room. So hosts hate people like that. They hate people who use up casino resources and don't play, or at least don't play the games that will actually earn them commission. So when you play on WCB.com, it does not help your host because your host does not get any commission for that. They're considered two separate entities, but in reality, they are the same entity. And now they're even attached to the same system, yet um, – and they promote them in the same place. You're, you're encouraged as a customer to play on WCP.com, but your host will see it as if you were not playing. Your host will see it as if you're screwing them over. Your host will suffer – Reductions in his commission for you staying and not playing. So it's so ridiculous that this system exists, where they have a seven-star system where you're guaranteed certain benefits and you can stay whenever you want and play however little you want as long as you've already earned seven-star. You can do that by the club's own benefits. And yet if you do it, the host suffers and therefore the host gets mad at you and doesn't want to deal with you or help you. And even if you do make the company money by playing on WSB.com, which is a struggling site where they should encourage people to play, the host gets mad at you for playing there. The host doesn't want you spending time playing there. They need you in the casino to earn them the commission. So the left hand doesn't understand what the right hand's doing. The right hand could be doing something totally productive for the body, for the person, and the left hand's like, no, 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 stop doing that. It's not helping me. And the right hand's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's helping the whole body, and I'm, we're both part of the whole body. No, 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 I don't like that. It's not helping me, the left hand, so I'm not going to let you do it anymore. And that's what's happening here. And this is not rocket science to fix. This is 2015. There should be a very easy way to associate people's WSOP.com play with the dates they're staying at Caesars Hotels. Now, you don't have to be at a Caesars Hotel to play it. You could be anywhere in Nevada. But if you're at a Caesars Hotel, they should be able to associate it and give the host whatever commission they're supposed to get. And then it counts as you playing. And then you don't become a pariah for the host. Because right now, if you play in WCB.com and don't do anything else, even though you make the company a lot of money in rake, you're considered a freeloader and a leech. And that's the way the host will see you. And that's the way everyone will see you. So it's annoying. I'm glad they're linking the two programs so they need to go further and make sure they understand that if you are generating income from the company for the company gambling online, that you should get credit for that as if you were in the regular casino. They don't even need a theoretical for rake. They can just look at the rake you generated. If you generate $3,000 rake while sitting in your room, it should be the same thing as losing $3,000 in the casino. Uh, you know, for theoretical. That is, if you're expected to lose 3000 in the games you're playing, 
It should be the same thing as raking 3,000. It should be identical. But it's not because they are never well connected. And they've got this weird, contradictory model where they have a seven stars program with guaranteed benefits, yet if you use the guaranteed benefits, then the host gets pissed off unless you keep playing. But if you use the benefits without playing, then it hurts the host and the host gets mad. And if you play on WSOB.com, you get no credit. So you've got, you've got all these contradictory forces going on. And yet they're marketing WSOB.com for you to sit in your room and play it. It's crazy. All right. End of rant there. If I end the show soon, I can catch the end of the Dodgers. It's tied 2-2. Thanks to Alex Guerrero, who's really hitting well. He's going to take Juan Uribe's job soon. I mean, the guy can't play defense, but boy, he can hit. Guerrero, he's been great this year. This is the first year they're giving him a chance. So he hit home run. A.J. Ellis came home to tie the game up at 2 in the 7th, and now it's still 2-2. The Dodgers have a man on board, too. I am Greek asking, Druff, do you know if we're getting reward credits for entry fees into the World Series this year? Yeah, you are. Uh, What you're getting there is associated with the amount they are taking out of the pool. The actual amount. They, like... You know, for a cheaper event, obviously, like a 1500 event, you're they're taking a lot less of a rake in actual dollars than for a $10,000 event, even though the percentage is higher for the 1500 It's like 10%, and I think it's uh, only 6% for the 10 k event. But they're still taking more money. 6% of, of uh, 10 k is a $600. 10% of 1500 is one fifty. So they, they give you money accordingly. They give you RCs accordingly. Now... China Maniac found a very sneaky trick that they're pulling here, and I think they wait 48 hours, maybe even 72 hours, to post those to your account, which means if you bust and then leave Vegas, you don't get to spend them. And then if you don't come back to Vegas for six months, you lose them, unless you find another way to earn RCs, such as uh, you know getting the total rewards credit card or whatever. So I, I don't know if this is on purpose or just another stupid thing that they're doing there. It doesn't really affect me because I have a ton of RCs. I have like 2500 bucks worth, so... For me, I'm hoarding them anyway. But for, for the occasional visitor to Vegas, this is awful. Like, China Maniac lives in Boston, so he's, the, he's not in Vegas very much. Let's see what else we got here. Have to confess, I, I kind of want to watch the, uh, the end of the game, even though Kershaw and Bumgarner are both out. But I, I will cover this other topic. I was going to throw in an editorial, but I I just don't feel like it. I do not feel like it. A little more about a little more about Caesars. They are struggling with their stock. Shares of Caesars Entertainment fell. 17% on Monday, this is uh, Monday the 20th, to close at $10. It was at uh, $12. It fell down to $10. And 
The problem is that the bankrupt operating division of Caesars, known as the Bad Caesars, according to Benjamin, Caesars Entertainment Operating Company, CEOC, they've been unable to reach a deal regarding the restructuring that they're doing to cut debt. The problem is that um, they're being sued over what they're pulling. Basically, they're keeping their profitable properties out of the bankruptcy, and the, the crap properties are the ones that are losing money, including Caesar's Palace itself, are being put in the bad Caesar's. And that's what's committing bankruptcy. So they're, they're protecting their most valuable assets, including total rewards. So they're being sued over this by investors. The company is halting its talks with the ad hoc committee bank lenders. Caesars has until May 15th to file a plan for reorganizing CEOC. They wanted a six-month extension on Monday. And uh, the rationale was that uh, because it's so complex, this whole transaction and, and the legal challenges that are going on, that the whole thing can fall apart. And, uh, and the spinoffs that they made here from uh, Caesars could, uh, could also fall apart if they don't uh, get all this right. Caesars wants until November 15th to file its reorganization proposal without rival plans being submitted by investors. And this is a pretty common request in bankruptcy cases, apparently. So uh, with this going on and with uh, this not being settled, uh, investors are not very happy and the shares have fallen. So it's down to 10 bucks a share. And I would not say that's a strong buy. <laughs> I think it may be going down further. Don't make any moves with your stock based upon my suggestions, but... Uh, I think it's got further to fall. So, that is what's happening in the exciting world of poker and gambling. Lou Father saying, can we nickname Benjamin Bugsy? Bugsy Wittellis. JSTAT saying, the private equity owners of Caesars looted the company. That's true. Lou Father saying, shout out to Frank Collada. So, we'll be back in six days, Tuesday, April 28th, bottom of the ninth inning for LA and San Francisco. I only care about this because of who started the game. I mean, it's so early in the season, but they're not in there anymore, but it was a Bumgarner and Kershaw game I wanted to see, so I've been watching it in the background, updates, not watching the game, watching the updates on my phone. So, no co-host tonight. This is a little bit of a shorter show ending, slightly before three hours. But, you know, I I did everything I needed to do. Did everything I needed to do and say. And uh, we're not going to stall just to pass more time. I could go longer. But to be honest, when I don't have a co-host, sometimes my throat hurts by the end. And this is one of those nights. I kind of feel like I don't want to talk anymore. I, I just need a break. Need a break, I'll set up my proxy so I can watch the Dodgers and avoid the blackouts on MLB type TV. It's ridiculous, I can't watch this. 
normally by just turning on my television because it's stupid dispute with Time Warner Cable that's going on. Not my dispute, of course. The Dodgers is uh, or it's not the Dodgers, the Time Warner and the other providers here. You guys probably know my story. Very, very annoying that uh, most Dodger fans cannot watch the games on TV unless you go through shenanigans. But I, I go through the shenanigans. I do it. In fact, the LA Times posted how to do the shenanigans. I, I was really surprised the LA Times actually showed you how to cheat the blackout rules. It's shocking, but they did. They just did that today. Anyway, anyway, we'll uh, keep you updated on lock poker and anything else that's going on in the world of poker and gambling or whatever the else, whatever the hell else I want to talk. You know, I was going to talk tonight about that whole thing with uh, Britt McHenry and her going off in that tow truck parking lot employee, and I actually have a different take on it than most other people do. But I'll do it next week, even though it'll be a really old story by then. I just don't feel like it. It's, just, it's not in me to do tonight. I'm just done. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you, I Am Greek, for donating that prize to Reno. I'll see you here at Reno in Vegas around a month from now. Good night, everybody. Shalom.